to another episode of The B-Side. It's a spin-off podcast of The Film Stage Show for the Film Stage website. Today, we're going to talk about someone I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And and it's so special. We have two guests um, here to talk about it with us. One, let's just say he's the producer of this podcast. I've been kind of you know, dallying around it. He's been helping me on these podcasts for a long time. Multiple time guest, Conor O'Donnell. How are you? I'm good, man. Good. Thanks for, you know, finally giving me my <laughs> Obviously. You're more than welcome. And then privileged to have our special guest with us who we've been talking about doing a podcast for a little while now. So happy she's on. Catherine Clark Gray, writer-producer for Uncompromised Creative, who made wrote a great film called the paper store with Penn badgley and richard kind based on her play 516 you can watch it on amazon prime right now along with director nicholas gray who will probably we're going to try to get on a podcast uh, in 2019 so look for that how are you I'm well. Nicholas co-wrote the script. He would okay. be. We would be remiss Fine. if we didn't mention it. <laughs> it was okay. so bad. No, because <laughs> yes, it was said. Yes, here yes. we are. Co- co-writers. <laughs> thank you. It was a very good note. Um, so we're talking about Charlie's Theron today. Now, before we do anything, how are we pronouncing your last name? I say Theron. Okay, how do you say it? I say Theron, but I think I, really... I say Theron more. Okay, though. but so... it's really there's this fact has to be out there, right. Connor. No, you're no, our no. fact checker. Connor's gonna be the Connor's. Yeah, yeah. So just a quick note: me and Katie watched the movies. We did the B sides. Connor didn't, but he's producing the show, as we said. So he's here. Let's find out. He's gonna be I our really... Robin. Robin Givens is that who? Who's the? Anyway, go ahead. Who's the? Who... Robin Givens is totally is she like a, a fact checker or like yeah, a. It's, it's Theron. It is Theron. Theron. Okay, you know what? Okay. Now, we say it the way it's supposed to be said. Theron. That is respectful. It is. No, no, no. It, yeah. It's like Theron. I, I think it ultimately got cut out of our Keanu Reeves episode, but I actually, just much to my own embarrassment, I said Theron like the entire time when we were talking about movies that she and Keanu did. Well, Sweet so November. Yeah. And Devil's uh, Advocate, yeah, yeah. which we'll probably talk about more on this and, one. Uh, and I remember after the fact... Outing myself. Oh yeah, you you did, but I don't know if it made it in. That I was on. Oh yes, yes, uh, yes. With Brian Rohn and I said I was like, yeah, I felt real stupid because I said the wrong the whole I time. Said, yeah. So it's Theron like Heron, just yep. yeah, yep. Theron. Yep. So quick, we're so we're talking about Charlize. We have we have a few, um, you know, as we usually do, and just a quick refresher, right? The B side. We focus on movie stars, not the movies that made them famous or the movies that kept them famous, but the movies that they made in between. And our B-sides for this one are, um, there's some mean ones. That was the thing I took away from watching some of these movies. Charlize, she made, she made some meanies in her time. And these are ones that I don't think many people liked. The ones we're going to focus on are Trapped, 2002's Trapped. Which is a movie that was made. The Yards, movie from 2000, directed by James Gray. We actually have a great interview, a uh, quick film stage plug. Right now, we did a great interview with James Gray. Recently, I think at the Marrakesh Film Festival. Huh. It's a great interview. It really is. Very revealing. The guy's super honest. Uh, just about filmmaking and whatnot. Uh, definitely read it if, you, if you're so inclined and listening right now. Uh, so The Yards... 
Um, and then we're going to talk about um, Dark Places from 2015. And then the fourth one we were going to talk about, Head in the Clouds. Um, that was my pick. Kind of hard to find. I had trouble finding it in that place. And I was the only one who watched this because it was a last minute decision. I watched The Last Face, which was the movie she made with Sean Penn that Sean Penn directed. That played at Cannes and everybody hated it. And then it barely came out. Oh, right. Yeah, you know what? That w- I, I did see it's about, that slide by. It's about Africa, and it's about trying to save it, and the people who are trying to save it are, they are white people. Oh, my God. Oh, directed by Sean Penn. Oh, no. So that movie, I do not, I'm, I'm perusing the box office mojo right now. No, it didn't really come it out. It like doesn't exist. Yeah, I think it no. made a little something somewhere, but not not, not like a not a, like a quantitative not really. It didn't really do that So well. like the white saviors that they pretended to be, this movie did not really exist. Yeah. Well, you know what? How about this? I'll just, I'll talk about it first and we'll okay. kind of get it out of the way. Let's hear it. Okay. And then I'll do, and then we'll do a quick little bio of Charlize as we do. We'll go through her career. But so The Last Face, right, is directed by Sean Penn. It came out, quote unquote, came out like, yeah, like on Box Office Mojo, it's not even on, right. on here. It doesn't exist. So the movie came out. I want to say I'm looking it up as I'm as I'm talking. It came out in, I guess it it in in 2016 it premiered at Cannes, but I guess it quote unquote came out in 2017, and it ended up basically being a VOD thing. I did think there was a little bit of theatrical, maybe not in the states, but somewhere. I just saw the Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, score. we're looking at Rotten Tomatoes. Five five percent, forty four reviews. Oh so God. you know, there's some room for improvement. Oh, him and her and Javier Bardem too. Yeah, like, Javier that, Bardem. That's a, They're like buddies. Well, so Sean Penn's not in the movie. He directed it, and it, the two leads are Javier Bardem and um, and Charlize. And it's basically, I mean, look, the thing. So it's a movie about Charlize Theron, right? You said it right. Then you said she, it perfectly. It's a movie about um, she basically. She's part of a humanitarian type of. You know, conglomerate, a company, and and Javier Bardem is like a Doctors Without Borders type of doctor. And she basically gets brought back into the world of actually going to these places in Africa and trying to be there and support and, you know, help out and falls in love with Javier Bardem. So it's got that Casablanca thing, right, happening. That's obviously the intention. Got it. And look, Sean Penn... Say what you will about the man. He, a big part of his life is humanitarian stuff. Yes. And he's definitely made it a big part of his creative life even where a movie like The Gunman, which is that open road movie from a few years ago. It's an action movie. The movie is about humanitarianism. And then it so happens he was used to be like a CIA agent. <laughs> so it's like right. he's trying to save a country and then right. the bad guys come and he's got it. It's kind of like the old man action movie. But with the stuff he loves, like you could see him negotiating it. Like, all right, I'll I'll be in your old man action movie, but it's got to be about saving countries, right? And so that's what the gunman is. So you can tell like where his heart is, and I do think the dude does care about this stuff. Unfortunately, the last face is just it's very modeling, it's very long, it's very overwritten. There's some horrifying scenes that obviously are meant to make you look at the atrocities that are happen in these terrible, you know. These places where you have these, you know, different factions and constant wars and, you know, power grabs happening and all the innocent people who caught who get caught, caught in the crossfire. But it's hard to get out from under the weight of a white woman and a, a Spanish man, you know, trying to 
to be the ones who, you know what I mean? It's just, that's, it, that'll always be the problem. The last samurai problem that you run into with these things. So. Fun, fun fact, if you go on Wikipedia, there there's almost nothing written about the movie. There's like a little, little blurb about it. But then right at the bottom, the only thing under the see also section is just white savior narrative and film. Oh my yeah. God. Well, but it is. There it's you a have genre. it. And I think that's look, an efficient Wikipedia entry. That tells you everything you need to know. Yes, that's the perfect <laughs> Wikipedia. No, I mean, and look, and this is a total tangent. We won't even get into it too much. But I think there can be movies that are quote unquote white savior movies that actually do it pretty well. Like, I think Dances with Wolves, if you actually go back and watch it, does a pretty good job with it. And I think it has that weird stigma. But if you actually go back and rewatch it, it's pretty well constructed. Well, part of why that works, I think, is because so much of that movie was about how he did not fit in per se. Right. And had to sort of argue for his place, you know. And and I I think that when you look at movies that center white saviors, which is like a word that I'm just it's a perfect word for it, you know. It like is, yeah. like we are we are centering this story uh, with a backdrop of intense human suffering in a place that has sort of been stereotyped as holding the bulk of human suffering, right. you know, as a backdrop to this love story, I think that that's already telling you everything you know about what's wrong with it, without me having seen it, of course. No, right. And, and so with The Last Face, it, it, yeah, I mean, look, and I, I feel like I say this on a lot of the pods, we all work in film, we all work in creative uh, stuff. I hate ragging on films too hard because every film is hard to make. And even as we're coming to the end of the year, you get the worst of lists. And I've grown to really dislike those lists because, you know, you work on commercials that maybe you don't care about what's being sold. But, you know, I just produced a commercial, whatever, a week ago, right? Whatever it was. I worked so hard on whatever I was saying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't even matter. The point is you get the crew, you work hard, you do you know weeks of prep and shoot. Anyway, point is, I'm not trying to rag on the last phase the intentions there i can understand what champagne's trying to do and i do i almost respect the attempt it's just one of those things there it's just a misplaced thing they just make so many different little mistakes without really going into it and it's just so long it's so languid like it's just it's very stretched out she's giving a very um there's a lot have there's a lot she's trying to do in the performance and it's just not really working you know and I feel bad in that respect because she is South African and so you can kind of see how this probably was important to her she was I believe dating Sean Penn at the time they were dated for a while that is correct yeah and um and so and we'll get it I mean you know there's anyway that's the last face and that's where we'll leave it it's not very good and I feel bad because you can feel the passion and it just doesn't work I, I think that is a very admirable way to look at these worst of lists and yeah. like just trying to rip into something and I think I've when I was really young and I think this happens to a lot of people when they're really young you just want to demonstrate how much you hate something you know yeah. and it is worth remembering that the worst piece of crap that you've seen had crews they had lots of people working they had craft services they had people working really hard to keep them fed and all that stuff I think where I can still fire up with some righteous anger is that with all of that effort and all of that human work that just goes into it people who aren't seeing their kids people who are you know just putting in those days you know the 12 hour days the 16 hour days those long days for a dumb thing that shouldn't be made I get mad I'm like you should have 
taking the time when it was easy, when it's all on paper and like write something good. <laughs> like I'm saying that as a writer. So like, I feel like, but that's where all the mistakes can be fixed before you even start. I'm just like, why have you rallied all these people around something that just shouldn't be? And that's, that's not my, fair. And that's one of my favorite things. Jordan Raup, um, who was on the Jason Statham pod. Um, I always love when he would say this and he still says this. Um, when we were in school, we'd watch an animated movie, obviously, you know, whatever's out. And he would always be like, the thing I love about animation is you can just, it's, you're creating the world. Like, so, so the fact that an animated movie ever comes out that isn't exactly the thing you wanted it to be seems so crazy to me. Yeah. This is what he would say, because you can control this world. And I always thought it was a very, like, obviously that discounts time and budget and what have you. But in that sense... No, but that's fascinating. I haven't really thought of it that way, but yeah. I always love that thought. And so to your point about the writing, it's a similar thing, if less controllable, of course, because plenty of very good scripts get made into movies that aren't very good, right? Very true. But to your point, Last Face, or last, yeah, The Last Face, I just wish maybe, yeah, you're right. I wish Sean Penn, he wrote it. I wish he'd given it to a couple of other people, perhaps before they started filming. Anyway... Charlize. Okay. 1975. Benoni. South Africa. Charlize Theron's born. All right? That's where she's coming from. And then, in the early 90s, she moves to New York, but she doesn't have any money, and she does modeling. She's not liking it. She goes to L.A. She's going to try some other stuff. She was going to be a dancer, but I think she was getting a little tall as I... She had a knee a problem. Knee problem. Okay. And, well, and you're, we're skipping over the fact that she won a modeling contest and went to Milan with her mom for a while. Oh, yeah. She was a model. She spent a year in Europe modeling. And then... And it's then like, came why was she a model? She's hideous. <laughs> no, but yes, I forgot about the Milan thing. That's crazy. So she had a pretty wild... Um, young life even in that respect uh, and then at 19 and we were just talking about this before we started recording she was in LA and she was at a bank and she was trying to cash a check that her mom had mailed her and the cashier would not cash the check she got very mad and they got in a shouting match and <laughs> behind her was a talent agent of some sort producer of some sort and that is how she got her first quote unquote break and what that resulted in was a lot of auditions and what have you. And then finally her actual first big break in Two Days in the Valley. Has anyone seen Two Days in the Valley other than me? Have you seen not it? Not me. I have not. Have you no, seen it? No. Okay, so Two Days in the it. Valley is a movie that came out after Pulp Fiction and is a very much a movie like that. Like it's, things to do in Denver. Like It's a very much a movie like that. And this comes up, I feel like, on more than a few of our episodes when you're just talking about this period of time. I feel like we... We, a lot of the actors we've chosen, the 90s come back again and again and again, I feel like. And so this is one of these movies. And we, like I said, we've talked about it before. And I think it was a festival darling to some degree. And I don't know that it really made... Yeah, it made $11 million when it came out. MGM. It was an MGM movie. So maybe it did have a little studio back. What was the budget? Um, I, don't, I don't see it on Box Office Mojo. But it was a movie directed by John Hersfeld, who had directed a movie in 1983 called Two of a Kind, which was the other movie starring John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, where they meet God. And they're what? like the last two people on Earth. It, that's basically the premise. It was big, 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 big. I mean, 23 million, so not that big, but a big critical flop. And also, you know, 23 million, 1983 isn't the worst, but I think because of Greece, people were expecting it to be huge. I believe Gene Hackman's in it. He might actually play God. I'll, oh, my I'll, God. Maybe you can fact check that for us, Connor. Anyway, 
Uh, yeah, if you want to just pull up just the plot of Two of a Kind, because it is insane enough. Anyway, John Hirschfeld directs it. It it goes bad. Directs that two and also two day and also. But two days, thirteen years later. So oh, okay. when he directed Two Days, it was like, oh, who's this new voice? But actually, he had directed another movie thirteen years ago. Right. So it's kind of fascinating, actually. So Oliver Reed is in it. Okay. <gasps> really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, give was, us the quick little log line there. Yeah. So. Two of a kind. John Travolta. <laughs> this when feels like God, a tangent, but I love it. When God uh, this is decides the to destroy Earth, yes. four angels right. aim to redeem mankind through a young man and woman Classic. with troubles of their own. And that, that was the follow-up to Greece and, of them being, you know, as the like hot whatever couple. Anyway, so that's John Hurstfeld. So whatever, Two Days in the Valley, it's a crime caper, right? It's it's a few different stories. Danny Aiello has a main role in it. And Charlize is a femme fatale-ish character, and she's naked in it. Of and course it's she very, is. Yeah, it's very, like, young actress. And I remember, I, I, I think the biggest thing about Two Days in the Valley was her. I think people were just like, who is this person? Like, who is this Charlize Theron, right? Like literally, right? Like, Who is this gazelle of a person yeah. that just tromped in here naked and, 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 took, and stole sort of, the show? If, if yeah. I recall, though, that sort of feels like that was like a a lot of her early career was like who's well, this I was gonna, person that we can get? Yes, to that's true. Of? And I was going to ask when did we all when was our our first Charlize? That's a great question. Mine was Celebrity, very oh. much like that. Celebrity, nineteen ninety. Yeah, eight? Eight. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I... We have weirdly talked about that movie before on this podcast. I know, and the Winona episode, right? <laughs> Which I forgot she was even attached That's to that right. at all. Yes, yes. But um, what, the, literally the only thing I remember about Celebrity besides Kenneth Branagh's terrible Woody Allen mm. impersonation, which I know you've talked about, but still, it, is, it should be said. There should be a podcast devoted to just talking about that I performance. I think in the back channel, this is secretly the Celebrity. Oh, my God. <laughs> Every but, but literally the only other thing I remember about that movie was... I was like, who is that person? And that's the part she, she is, plays, right? She plays like a stunning movie she plays, star. Right? She plays a stunning movie star. And I remember thinking, that person is too beautiful to be possible. And I, as a young, shortish, dark-haired person, was like secretly dedicated to hating her sure. forever. Of course. For no good goddamn well, reason. I mean... No, no reason. <laughs> no reason. Because she's, we have learned... That she's awesome. Yes. Well, but that's... I didn't know at the time because all I knew at the time was celebrity, beautiful woman that is just too impossible to even be real. And it's okay. So 1998 might be the year for this because the movie that I fell in love with her on, and I think I can probably say that to a degree because this is basically true. Mighty Joe Young. It's true. I love that movie. I really did. I would have been how old? I would have been eleven or something. So I don't know. You didn't. You didn't see. When did you see Devil's Advocate? Well, but I was young, right? So I didn't see Devil's Advocate. I remember. I distinctly remember. I swear. I distinctly remember my mom, who's been on this podcast, Julie Mecca. What's up, Julie? I remember her turning it off because it was on on Holy Saturday, during Easter, on some so cable cool. channel. Well, and it was on, and my mom was mad. And it's not even like, that's not even like a brand. My mom's not like that type of like, oh, I can't believe, you know, it, yeah. you know, she's very progressive and whatever with that stuff. But I just remember it did bother her that the devil's advocate was on, you know, whatever, NBC, 
on Holy Saturday. And she like turned it off. I cannot even imagine the NBC network broadcast version of that movie. Yeah, like a troll. Like an NBC trolling of Easter. Like, we're going to put on Dell. Well, no, but just think about because they would have the censors. Like, what do they... They can't show a decent amount of that. I guess not, right? There's a lot of stuff (laughs) in that movie. 30 minutes long. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff in that movie. I think that that was the era where they were still like swapping in not the swear for the swear. Like dubbing it out. Yeah, like the dubbing out. Like, you know... Like yeah, there would there would be a lot of stuff in that movie that went out. But Mighty Joe Young um, was it made fifty million dollars, which you would think was okay. Yeah. But, the, but I was looking it up in kind of it was a Disney movie, um, and it cost ninety. It cost what? ninety million dollars. You know what? All went all went to Charlize. No, I'm kidding. And obviously, <laughs> Mighty Joe was the yeah was when, the big one, and it was directed by Ron Underwood, who. Then gave us, and I feel bad, he also directed The Adventures of Pluto Nash, which is like one of the most right. famous fops ever. Oh my God. That like basically was the end kind of of the Eddie Murphy movie star. Not really. He had a couple other shots, but that was kind of the, all right, we're done. It wasn't him. the nail in the coffin, but it was definitely opening the, the casket nail. lid, yes, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And so, um, um, and, Ron, and it's funny because Ron Underwood actually directed a movie in the mid, early mid 90s that I kind of love called Hearts and Souls. Heart and Souls. Was it with I Robert Downey Jr.? Um, oh, So he's like yeah. a studio guy. It's kind of a shame. He kind of, you know, but anyway, Muddy Joe Young, I really liked. And I remember a big part of the, why I liked it. I liked Bill Paxton from Titanic because that was that time. And sure. I just remember being like, who is this person? Like you're saying. <laughs> but I was, you know, and, you know, I was a young man and I just was like, who is this angel yeah. on the screen? Like talking to this <laughs> gorilla, like this huge it's, ape. It's Joe basically young. like the first time that, you know, a young heterosexual woman will see Brad Pitt like wandering 100%, through. 100%. I was going to say that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, where he just like traipses in and you're like, oh, like, well, somehow my life has changed yeah, forever. Like, yeah. I feel different. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah. What's happening? Yeah, a, th- yeah, a thousand percent. Connor, when did you see Charlize? Well, now that you're saying it, I, I feel like I. Because I'm, I'm looking at the, the, you know, the track record, and there was Devil's Advocate, right? Which now that I'm looking at it, is the first thing that she made that, like, I remember watching. But like, right, sure. I don't think I saw that first. You couldn't. Have. I you right, you know, because what I'm, what I'm remembering now, and we've talked about it briefly before on, on the pod, is I feel like I saw Devil's Advocate much later, like a few years later on like HBO also with Sweet November. So I just had this impression that I'm like, you, Connor, so I don't know if you know Connor loves Sweet November. I which like, is a bad movie. That's adorable it's, though. Movie. it's not good. And we'll we'll get to Yeah, you don't even have to say I'm that. I'm not gonna give you any shame it's, for that. That means No 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 but I, but we have a thing because and I've I talked yeah. about this on the Winona yeah. pod. He loves Sweet November. I love Autumn in New York. And they're basically the same movie, the same right? They're very movie. similar movies. Is it both the times the dude who dies? Or, no, no, or is it the lady? Or both times it's the lady? It's ladies. I can of movie cancer. Movie cancer lady. It's it's like the Camille, like there's some blood. But I, but it was one of those yeah. things that I like. I think I have an attachment to Sweet November because of Devil's Advocate. Because like the like, polar opposite. Kind it's so of, funny. and it's like, who is this angel? Oh my God! All these terrible things are happening to her. And then you know, she's. I mean, she's like you know the manic pixie dream girl in Sweet November. Yeah. But you know, it's, yeah. Her it's whole thing. Do you remember that like, movie? The whole thing is she chooses. It's like a month. 
she yeah, chooses to change a man's of, life. Yeah, it's she's like dying of movie cancer. Oh so, my god, that is yeah. maybe the most manic pixie is, dream girl yeah, description. Like, like even more than the one yeah. it was named for. You Elizabeth know what I mean? Town. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Elizabeth Town. Probably more than Elizabeth Town. Elizabeth Town, a movie that I love. <laughs> I love Elizabeth. It is what it is. Okay, I'm that not gonna is lie. Another day. I'm not gonna just sit here and not. I think I'm in be a honest. world where I say I like Sweet November. I think you're okay. Saying That's you're fine. Like That's fine. We're, we're not um, hating here. But so, what are you saying, a, Sweet November? Then? Yeah, I. I mean, that was. I think the mo- that wasn't the moment because I, I saw Mighty Joe Young. But I think that, like the double deuce of me watching. Devil's Advocate and Sweet November, like one night on HBO, I was like, "Oh, I that, think I love her." That is like, quite right. a double, yeah. a double feature too, yeah. because it has like the darkest, like, yeah. like seediest representation in a studio kind of way yeah, of sure. life, and then there's like, "Oh, grace. you can be saved," and you know what? You're a, a and both, male. and obviously, like, there's I, both know. sides of Keanu too, kind of right. like where he's changed and you know what have you. Yeah, they're totally. both yeah, Keanu and Charlie. Yeah, that's true. You, you just love that parent, but so. My other one, and this will segue into our first movie, mm-hmm. is The Arts. I, so, okay. I, so I saw The Arts, and I don't know what my impetus for it was, because I would have been young, but I was getting into movies, and for whatever reason, I, I must have seen like a DVD trailer for The Arts or something. Because it would have been before I like knew James Gray or knew it, you know, you know that movie is so seeped in old '70s studio pictures. I would not have known any of those when I saw uh, the Yards, uh, or however I knew about it. But I rented it. I remember, like, and this is the thing. Me and my mom talked about this. My mom uh, was very supportive in terms of like if I wanted to watch a movie that maybe it was a little bit too old for me or whatever it was. And I remember we rented the Yards, and I think I just watched it like on a Friday night. And I loved it. Like at that age, I was oh, it was like oh one or something when it came out in two thousand. Didn't really perform, but had had a following that came with it um, because of James Gray. He made Little Odessa in the early nineties, which similarly kind of it didn't didn't, didn't make a huge splash. But who, those who liked it really liked it. And then it took him eight years to make another one. And then he made The Yards, and then I think it was a. That was a Miramax thing, like Weinstein, right? Weinstein, it was the Miramax. Like, didn't let him, like the cut. It was a cut thing, I think. Like Weinstein ended up dumping it because Gray fought for his cut. It was um, something. It was something like that. And, and that the, tracks. Yeah, and it got dumped, and it's a shame because I I do love that movie. And uh, what do you think about that movie? Well, I just watched it yesterday, so it's super fresh in my mind. Uh, so please. Okay. So I had, this was not on my radar. I had never heard of this movie. So I was, I think I was not set up for what it was. Right. I thought I was going to see one of those like early career dumb things. Yeah. You know, and it was definitely not one of those early career dumb things. I thought it was going to be in the vein of some sort of like crappy thriller that was going to be fun, but like bad fun. And then I was not prepared for (laughs) a, um... A sort of serious treatment of corruption around the commuter rail system in New York. Yes. Who knew? Starring yeah. a very baby-faced Mark Wahlberg, who was barely off and of those Joaquin. underwear commercials. It's like and a Joaquin Phoenix. Like yeah, <laughs> it, you know, it's like it wanted to be a right. David yeah, Simon no, 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 show. No, no, no. I saw Katie's face. Was that, like, but you say that. Don't you us. bring David Simon? Here is my feeling about it. It felt like it really wanted to take on that mantle. It had all of the right yeah. intentions, and it definitely had that seventies look. It looked like. Oh my god! It looked like it looked like Francis Ford Coppola directing on the waterfront. Yeah, in I, I, 1977 yeah. is what the look was. The, the person I think about when I watch that movie, and I've I've, I've rewatched it a few times. I, I really do like the movie. I, I I basically really like James Gray. 
the filmmaker. I think Two Lovers is basically a masterpiece, right? So I, I like a lot of what he's done. I didn't love Lost City of Z, which we've talked about uh, uh, off mic, me and Connor. But um, anyway, yeah, the lighting is the thing. It's, mm-hmm. it, it is so Gordon Willis. It is so 70s. It is yes. so... I think of Sidney Lumet, right? Because you run into that New York thing, right? Yeah. I think of like Night Falls on Manhattan. I think of Q&A. I think of Prince of the City uh, in terms of like... And the, and weirdly, all those movies are not 70s movies. Those are all after the 70s. But, right, but it takes that aesthetic exactly. and just hugs it with both arms. And to your point, you're right. I do think there is a... Um, what's the word? There is a wanting that plays in the movie that cannot be ignored. Yeah, no the word about. is knockoff. It feels right, a little knockoff. knockoff. The thing it was, it feels like a knockoff of the clear inspirations. Right. For what it's worth, I tend to like serious treatises, treatises yeah. on, you know, on, you know, um, corruption at a citywide scale, like, you know, entrenched systematic corruption. I totally love that. But I feel like the vocabulary wasn't quite there. Right. And I also think it was super interesting to watch it through a Charlize lens because I was yes. watching this specifically to watch what was she up to in 2000, you know? She, she's got dark hair. She's got dark hair. And they tried to give her this like somewhere, like it came off half Forever, no, not Forever 21, uh, the other one, um, Hot Topic. It came off like hot, half Hot Topic goth. Yeah, it's a bad Half like job, insecure, half insecure Queens girl, which is what she was supposed to be. I will say yeah. that it represented Sunnyside Queens great. Like it really had a good feel of like this. these are not people these are of means. People. Yeah. yeah, like it felt good that way. It felt authentic that way. She made no attempt at any kind of accent, which I was like, good for you. You know, yeah, because I everyone always, else had kind of like a Queensish. Yeah. I always kind, appreciate when yeah. actors like know thyself. Yes. Like, if it would have been bad. If you can't do it. If you can't do it, don't if you're do Tom it. Tom Cruise and you're in Valkyrie, then just talk like Tom Cruise. Yeah. And he does. And Last Samurai too. Like, just come on, bro. Yeah, no, no. She, did, she made a smart choice not to do that. But like watching all of that makeup just slathered on her face yeah felt like a choice that happened outside of her purview and i will also say that it's like i have this sort of building crackpot theory about charlie's theron's career that started before this but this was sort of emblematic because there she is in this movie or we can spoiler this yes, right yes, this was yes, 2000 yes, yes, yes. so she's in this movie in a it all happens in, half, the in, in the <laughs> in a half thankless role not like half thankless yeah. they have a weird plot where she has a dalliance with her cousin yeah, Mark Wahlberg. It gets like Shakespearean. So she has a she's in love with her cousin Mark Wahlberg and they messed around when they were 15 but Classic. and they have like burning looks. He's like sort of really looking at her and then right. she's in love with Joaquin. And then she finds out that Joaquin killed somebody and lied about it and was trying to pin it on her cousin. Right. That's what happened because I just watched it. It's going to leave my brain you're tomorrow. So, but you're here so I am. clear. I love it. And then, and so she's like, I can't be with you anymore. And then he proceeds to just manhandle her. Yeah. He's not, and she he, could, she he, can fucking he, deck him. I'm he, sorry. He kills her, right? He totally kills her. The stare thing. They struggle. Kind of a cool scene though. It was kind of a cool scene. I thought, I was like, oh God, she's going to die. I can see them yeah. setting her up to die. But I did not expect her to flip accidentally over Crazy. the balcony. Kind of well done. Over the banister of this For tall like a home. small movie. Yeah. It was like, and yeah. then there she was, boom, dead. I was like, what was 
precisely the point of this character. Yes, well, that's exactly. And there what wasn't I was much of one. Yes, it, the, the point was the biggest thing with the problem with the movie. She was a turning. She was a turning point. She existed as a reason for Mark Wahlberg to yes. turn states. Yes, because he wasn't snitching on nobody, even though he was the one who was going to be in trouble until she dies, and he's like, "Fuck all you people." I'm going to do this. Well, and doesn't it make you, not to get, but doesn't it make you appreciate the Eva Marie Saint character from On the Waterfront even more? Right? When you think about like yeah. how, yeah, like exactly. Yeah. She exists only for men, right? Only for the motivations of men, which is such a common thing in movies, of course. But when you think, the first movie I would imagine you would think of if you watch The Yards, other than these 70s movies in terms of plot, is On the Waterfront. Because that is what, I mean, it Quite is basically a yeah. lot like that movie. And, you know, it's a masterpiece, On the Waterfront and, and what have you. And so, it when I was rereading the plot and kind of just preparing, that's all I could think about. It was just like, oh, I remember her role being kind of wasted in, in that way that you're talking about. Yeah. And then I just kept thinking about... How what a miracle of performance even Saint is in on the waterfront because it's just not that and that, no you know, she's that's very active also to Bud Schulberg who wrote that script and what have you but but mostly to even Saint and the way she does that performance and to your point with Charlize I think she must have just not had a lot of control over w- oh I'm positive the, the she mechanics did of that. I'm yeah. positive she did and she did her part for what it's worth she acted the shit out of that like 100%. like burning love for like this this deep love for her cousin but like she also was like very believably in love with Joaquin Phoenix which is not easy necessarily I <laughs> yeah. find him compelling as a, as guy. an actor but a super repulsive dude yeah, strange guy. and so so it was not that she was doing a bad job at all it's just that it was an underwritten part and she's young and she though she's been a lead or co-lead in a few of these movies now it's not like that's going to give her agency especially 100%. not at Miramax in 2000 but to this theory is that this is a, a the beginning of a series of films or part of a series of films where she is there to kind of be manhandled, abused, pawed at. Like there's this thing that I've seen in probably three or four of her earlier movies where the guy just kind of puts their hand right on her clavicle and it just goes down. Yeah. It's just like, ugh. Like, and we're gonna pivot to trapped, I'm sure. Yeah, well, that's, but like, I just literally but like, thought of trapped. But like, that's... that's another one where it gets even worse. But this, you could see the seeds here where they've put all this like paint on her to make her like to sort of ugly her up a little yeah. bit to make her look cheaper than the gorgeous gazelle that she is. Mm-hmm. And like, and and then she's just there to kind of be fought over. And then like, and then Joaquin is just like all over her. He's on the stairs, these red carpeted stairs, just on top of her, and she lays back looks at the ceiling and her face just goes dead and it is the saddest thing that I saw in that whole movie of yeah. sad things yeah. including Ellen Burstyn getting a heart attack because she's sad for her son it's a like, very it's, morose movie yes James Caan I think is great in it I'll say James Caan is great he's great in that movie surprisingly good yeah 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 and I mean he's a good actor but like no, but he didn't have to work at that 100% <laughs> like, no 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 totally he, did, right. he could have phoned that in and he didn't and I will I will say that I do think Gray did it Better seven years later with those two lead actors, Wahlberg and Phoenix, in We Own the Night, which is a very, I think, a very good movie. I, Less critically I, well received than this one, but yeah, yes, so. yes, 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 yes. But I think as a, I used to, I used to love say that this movie was my favorite of his movies, and mm-hmm. then as I've gotten older and I've rewatched some of them and whatnot, I really think We Own the Night is is distilled. Like when you talk about you know uh, knocking off the seventies, I think We Own the Night almost breaks through that and gets its own thing going. And then The Immigrant almost to another degree, uh, which came out after that, and has Joaquin, but not Mark Wahlberg. So, Trapped. 
<laughs> okay. I do want to... We're in it. Please. Really quick. So you, you made your comment about her entering this little phase, and the next movies that come after this are all literally her existing in these movies to just be there. And like, because she's in... So she does... Legend of Bagger Vance. Vance. Oh. Right. Right. And that movie that, is I a mean, movie. I don't want to dive into that movie. Robert it's, Redford. It's too, yeah, it's too, I, there are a whole slew of things. That, well, one thing about that movie. That's a weird movie where it's three lead performances and they're all bad. That's so rare. Yeah. It is true. Everybody, everybody's bad. And they're all great actors. Yeah. And they're all great well, actors. They really Matt are. Matt Damon, Will Smith, Smith yeah. Charlize. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it, it, it is a movie. Well, honestly, I, if I were you, listener, you should watch it. One, it the could, one listener. Because it's... It's so crazy. Like, Robert Redford makes a movie. Great director. He's a great director. He legitimately is. He has made great movies. Yeah. And he makes this movie. Studio's like, here's money. Take all the money. We're going to win Oscars. Like, we got Will. He's crushing. Matt, hot off of an Oscar. Talented Mr. Ripley. Getting nominated. Ba-ba-ba. Charlize, similar, if a little less similar. She's on her way. And it none of it works, and it is like just weird. It's weird. It that so it's, rarely happens. I, well, I was yeah. gonna say you can anyway to, to to both those points. You can see her kind of taking these movies, and uh, you know who knows if it's her agent or whatever. Whatever. It was. Sure, sure, sure. But she does Legend of Bagger Vance, and you can she, she exists to do nothing in that movie, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And well, to support yeah, yeah, the yeah, man. Right. Yeah. But you can, but you can feel that. To your point, like, ooh, this is going to be Oscars. It's going to be fucking Titanic. Like, yeah. Let's do it, right? And then she does Men of Honor. Similar. Very similar. And similarly, just a movie where all three lead performances. Those movies happy. came out one week betwixt. Really? Oh, really? Yes. Oh, my God. November so 3rd, just, Bagger V. She's everywhere. And then November 10, MOH, Because she does have the same bad Southern accent in both of them. So maybe she was just... Robert De Niro's forward. performance in Men of Honor is uh, subpar. It's a thing. He's making choices. For it's sure. a subpar <laughs> At least someday. And they're, and they're really? married in that movie. Charlize is married oh, yeah, to Robert Gross. De Niro. God damn you. God damn you people. Men, talk about like, men of honor. More like men of dishonor. Oh my God. Just, but you're right. And then Sweet November, similar thing, literally. 15 minutes. <laughs> also with Robert De Niro. Also with Bobby D. I kind of like 15 minutes. I, I feel bad about it. But I like Ed Burns. We have a whole Ed Burns thing. Yeah, We've talked about him before. <laughs> I like Eddie B. He's a Queens we guy. We should do an Ed Burns episode. That was when, that's cool, because this is the Ed Burns moment. Yeah. They put him in 15 minutes. Yeah. They're like, Eddie, let's do this. Yeah, he, was, he was real like, hot for a minute. And yeah. he was like, and he's he was in was Private Eddie. Ryan. He had that little mm-hmm. supporting role. Not li- bro, no. Not little he's at like all. He's third bill. He's right? third bill. Yeah. He's in the whole movie. Eddie that's B true. is in that whole movie, same Private Ryan. And then they gave him the shot. And he, and, he, and he decided to direct. I think, I think his movies are, I think he's a pretty good writer-director. Anyway. You're right. You're 100% right. Ed, if you're listening, I'm sorry. And then, uh, yeah, Ed, big listener, uh, Ed. And then Curse of the Jade Scorpion. So she did make two Woody movies. Yeah. But relatively small roles. I do think she has a fairly significant role in the Curse of the Jade Scorpion, if I recall. And then Trapped. Okay. Luis Mandoki. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but established director. Okay. Made movies that I like. Okay, White Palace with Susan Strand and James Spader. It's a Julie Mecca special. She loves that movie. I've seen it. I like it. It's like a little trashy 1990 thriller. Okay. When a Man Loves a Woman, he directs. Meg Ryan, Andy Garcia, alcoholism movie. Yeah, she's the alcoholic, she's right? The I alcoholic. remember that one. But it's also about enabling, right? He's an enabler. Right. I think underrated. I think she's really good in it. It was... I 
remember liking it. It I did was, okay. Yeah. But I think famously, or not famously, but as I recall, it was like her Oscar push. And, and, um, and you know, I think people didn't take well to that. Maybe didn't, she didn't get her Oscar. I don't know that it was re- reviewed amazingly at the time. And then the point is... He, what happened to this guy, right? I mean, these movies are okay, where he goes on, and then in 2002, he makes a movie called Trapped. This movie, now, okay, this movie's mean. And that's, my, that's the word I keep using. We're, before the podcast, we're talking about this is a mean, mean movie. I did not like it, and it's not like. Not like did not like like the last face where I'm like, oh, I didn't like it, but I see the passion and I feel bad. I do not feel bad about hating on Trap. This movie, I hated it. it no, like, it, 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 sets, me... it says several like movements back a ways. Oh. It's it is a it is a wrong movie. Yes, that's the word. Thank it's you. Wrong. That's the better word. I thank you. Yes, <laughs> wrong. That's the word. You're watching and you're like, it's not just bad, you're like, I don't like this space. <laughs> I'd rather like, be elsewhere. I don't like being here. <laughs> it, you know, and the premise, if we want to do it, it's a we kidnapping should. thriller. Okay. It's Kevin Bacon. He's doing his bad guy thing. We love Kevin. I love Kevin Bacon. Oh, yeah. Kevin okay? Bacon. Very he game actor. For plays sure. a great bad guy. He's great in River Wild as a bad guy, right? He can do it really well. And he's great at playing complex, you know, quote unquote villains. The Woodsman obviously was a very crazy, you know, not a crazy, but a very, um, uh, bold turn, you know, he basically plays a pedophile in that movie. So he can do anything. He can obviously play a lead uh, hero. He's the kidnapper in this movie. He's got a whole system, right? It's it's Kevin Bacon, Courtney Love, his wife, Pruitt Taylor Vince, who is like his cousin or something like that. I thought right? it was his brother, but brother, yeah, maybe something, brother some sort cousin. of relation. Yeah. They have this whole thing where they, Pruitt Taylor Vince, who if you don't know who that is, Pruitt Taylor Vince is, he's got, he's the guy from, if you saw Identity with John Cusack. Can I say, if they're listening to this podcast, they, they probably, they you probably, so? yes, Pruitt Taylor Vince is the, like, heavy. Yeah. I mean, Oh, he's, heavy, he's so good. Yeah. Movie. I like that movie. That's James he's, Mangold, Jimmy Mangold. We love James yeah. Mangold. This we is all love James Mangold. James Mangold yes. podcast. We love Correct. Him. So, I, I have not seen this movie. But hang on, so let me just yeah, say yeah, this. Yeah. So anyway, yes, you're probably right, Katie. Thank you. So Pruitt-Till events. Okay, so the whole and, thing is... Go. And like six-year-old Dakota Fanning holding, crushing. crushing it. Crushing. In the thick of like her... The body of work where you're like, oh, this is the best child actor in a generation, right? And their right. scenes... We were talking about this over email before. The Pruitt-Taylor-Vince-Dakota scenes are the only scenes. The best good. ones. The, the only the good ones. The movie is just about a guy who kidnaps this girl, and there's like another plot happening, but we're, we're staying in the room with them. It, I'm Fascinating. Watching it. I'm watching For it. For sure. What's up? No, no, no. I, well, so I wanted to ask you guys. I've not seen this movie. Sure. How They're did, trapped. It's does, a trapped situation. Right. Yeah. Indeed. Okay. How does it compare to the other Dakota Fanning gets kidnapped movie? Man, Man on Fire. Man on Fire is pretty, Man on Fire is a great. is a is a I better movie. I love Man on Fire, but I just I love that like, within a year of each other. Yeah, two Man, Man on Fire, the better movie. Kidnapped. But I will tell you, she put in the work in this movie because totally. the whole here's the super quick yeah, version. It. Okay, so the system is that Kevin Bacon kidnaps a kid. And then tell, and then grabs the mom and is like, "You have twenty four hours to get a bunch of money because he only targets rich people." And if and every half hour, I call my cousin 
who's got the kid. And if everything's cool and you haven't messed with me and everything's fine, then she stays alive or he stays alive. And then you get the money, you make an excuse for it. And then we take the money and then you, we put the kid in a playground or something and then you get your kid back. If you mess with me, your kid dies. I, I, I tell my cousin to kill your kid. You don't know where he is. And that's it. And while, meanwhile, Courtney Love, and Courtney Love like wrangles the, the dads or, or whatever. Dad, yeah, yeah, they the husband or the dad. Yeah, she yeah. wrangles the dads. Yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's for what true. it's worth, I guess she it's is true. a hot mess yeah, of it. Like how how she is helping in this plot, I have no fucking idea. Well, there's a million things like look, this. Yeah, but but, yeah, anyway. but the first the complication ostensibly is that. Kevin Bacon messes up and doesn't realize that Dakota Fanning is severely asthmatic. Classic. And they grab her with no medicine, no Classic. puffer, no nothing. I know. And so suddenly they're like, yeah, I mean, we've seen this in a... Well, the like, asthma the pan- thing is classic. Oh, sure. Panic Room and a million well, others. Well, hang on. So... Panic Room, which also came out in 02. No, right. But asthma, she was supposed baby. to be... Di- Hot. No, no, no. She was supposed to be diabetic. They changed it to asthma because Panic Room came out first... Which with diabetes, right? That's right. It was diabetes Whoa. with Kristen with with tomboy Kristen See, Stewart. We, we need a fact check on all these episodes. Yeah, no, that's great because I was totally with, thinking it was asthma, but it's absolutely nuggets. diabetes. You're right. Well wow. done. So it was so. Wait, no, no. I'm sorry. So it was diabetes. It was in Panic Room. She, it's diabetes. Oh, oh in Panic, Panic, Panic Room, it's diabetes. Tracked, and it was, it was going to be diabetes. Yes, 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 That's right. It's insulin is the whole thing. And Panic they Panic. had to make her severely asthmatic. And they have this one scene that is legitimately maybe one of the best scenes in the whole movie where Prue Taylor Vince is like, we got to go. And he puts a blanket on Dakota Fanning and you see the dust, like good job cinematographer and props, you yeah. know, and the, props, and props. the, and the dust just flies off this blanket before that's it goes best, on her. That's the best scene in the movie. Oh, for probably, sure. Yeah. So that's the situation. And the thinking behind this is that they've got this system and it's all worked out. But what we learn is that actually this time it's, it's personal. personal. Exactly. That's exactly what it because is. Because Kevin personal. Bacon and Courtney Love had a daughter who died at six and they blame the husband, Who's you know, the, the father. Yes, played by Stuart Townsend. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, which and, we will get into. Yeah, well, this is the beginning of the Stuart Townsend Charlize period. Right, because she. They're together. Later well, so no. Well, they, romantically they start, and artistically. They start, yeah. they start dating, I think, in 01 ish. I thought they met They or, met on this movie, though. Oh, did they? That's what so Wikipedia said. So they filmed said. in 01. Okay, so, all right, around now. Yeah, around this time. We'll say around now, early aughts. They meet. And this is the beginning of a kind of a, a, a pretty, they made stuff together. Like they did. More than just a, you know, so they make this, okay. And then they make, um, well. Well, they a, Battle in Seattle. Well, five years later, yeah. he directs Battle in Seattle, which is kind of like a crashy movie where it's like. Right. Um, I remember that. It's set in Seattle. And it is, uh, you know, cops, protesters, other people. Um, and it's it's the protest is maybe you can help me counter it's the in 1999 in Seattle the WTO thank you yes that's what it is I I'm think. older than you so I might actually remember that is what it is from life yes I think that is what it is <laughs> and it's about it's a crash version of that event right and Charlize is pregnant in it and a very terrible thing happens to her in the movie and I it, it's kind of a semi spoiler but anyway I remember actually liking Battle in Seattle I saw it many many years ago and it's not one of our b-sides so I did not rewatch it for this podcast but Stuart Townsend did direct it so we should bring it up that was in 07 but they were also in a movie in 04 the movie we brought up before that we were not able to watch before this podcast because it's weirdly unavailable 
Head in the Clouds. With which... my lady crush, Penelope Cruz, right. my forever lady crush, Penelope Cruz. They're all looking all... great together in the World War II yeah, it's like a world. Yeah, it's like a World War II-y, epic-y movie that... And there's maybe a threesome. I can't tell. Yeah, well, it's. I think that's... <laughs> from the trailer. A, yeah, from what I gather, that's, that's like a central part of the movie is this kind of, you know, love triangle thing. And like I said before, if I do get a chance, I do want to try to track it down and watch it. I am just curious about it because it was just a huge money was spent and then the movie didn't go anywhere, right? Which is a yeah, shame. Yeah, like anywhere. But it, yeah. it, to my point, it made nothing and it, it disappeared in the thin air. Um, and then it made nothing because it co-starred Stewart. Well, and this is the thing. Yeah, Stu Townsend, which, yeah, Stu, never. We should, should, we, we should tell the Lord of the Rings story if, you know, if people don't know it. He was gonna be. He was, he gonna, was gonna be Aragorn. Aragorn, Aragorn in Lord of the Rings, yeah. and, and they shot. They started yeah. shooting with him, and then basically, word officially is that yeah. he per Jackson, Jackson decided he was too young, right? Um, and, but and maybe it, really he wasn't enough of a rugged enough yeah, warrior. Well, like we were saying, I mean, before I watch, watching Vigo on that, it's like, look, who else would it be? You know, for could, my money, could Stu have done it. No. For, for my for my money, <laughs> Peter Jackson met Viggo Mortensen in a parking lot and was yes. like, "Oh, you! I must have you! I made a horrible mistake." Hundred <laughs> percent. It's 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 almost as happy an accident as like the Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine in X Men. It's like one of those oh the Do Gray thing. Yeah. We talked about yeah. that. Yeah, Do Gray. You know this, right? Do you know this? Uh, we, no. So Do Gray, Scott. Scott, right? Was. As opposed to Dugray Johnson, you know, all the different Dugrays. Dugray Scott um, was the bad guy in Mission Impossible 2. Oh, right. And we we do, I will say, Connor, Dan, and the Grays do a lot of talking about Mission Impossible. I will find one day to make a whole episode of this podcast solely about the Mission Impossible. (laughs) And MI2, Dugray is um, Sean Ambrose, the bad guy, and I think he's pretty great in it. And he got hurt. He got hurt when they were filming, and mm. they had to postpone and film, and da 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 da. Mission Impossible is always fucking with other people's it's movies thrilled. all the time. And so, <laughs> and so, uh, he they went away from him. He was going to play Logan. He was going to play Wolverine, and they found Hugh. Hugh like sent in a tape. I think he had he had sent in a tape or something, and he became and you know he and we did a Hugh episode. Hugh was a prepackaged movie star. Like he became Wolverine, and then the next year he was in three movies that were starring Hugh Jackman. Like, oh, done. We're done here. He's he's right, right? And, and yes, now right. it's 2018, about to be 2019, and my man is opening movies like The Greatest Showman and making buckets of money because people like Dan Mecca love movies like The Greatest Showman, which is true. <laughs> this episode of the podcast. Was yeah, I'll talk about Greatest Showman forever. But anyway, so. But point is, yeah, Stuart Townsend never really became what maybe he could have been. I, he He's in a movie called About Adam a couple years before Trapped that I think is charming. He's Adam. And it's like this, it's like a, you know, it's a sex comedy type of a movie. Uh, Kate Hudson's in it, a bunch of other people. He's very charming in that movie, but it just never happens. Is this how your brain works all the time? Yes. We are you so ran. far from Trapped you, at Charlie's. <laughs> but this is why I this was one of these podcasts. Because no, it's beautiful. Well, we've been saying, like, we already got to Head in the Clouds. We already made it to Head in the Clouds. But listen, listen, we have we have not addressed the real like importance of Trapped in the Charlie's Theron 
canon. Yeah, you because, gotta keep bringing us back to Charlie's. Please. please. Yes. Because yes. the reason for the season here. Yeah. Because here's this movie minutes. where right, she right. here's the there here's this movie where she is a victim from jump. Like it is four oh. minutes into this movie. We have seen exactly one stunt shot of Stuart Townsend flying a plane. And, you know, and she brings Dakota Fanning in and it's like, oh, go get the laundry or whatever. And Kevin Bacon is literally there then. And for what it's worth, if I did not know I was walking into a shit pile of a movie, which I already knew, I would have been like, whoa, like, good job, guys. Like, way to just jump start this movie. And he's like, guess what? I'm all business, babe. Like, you do you do your part. I do my part. And you're going to see your kid in 24 hours. Easy peasy. And then she has to tell him about the asthma. But in the meantime, she pulls a gun on him like a badass. And then he takes it away from her like a bitch. Like, he takes it away from her after he says, like, you know, you can keep this if you want. I have all the power because I have your daughter and you don't. So, fine. And then he proceeds to take it away from her take it and wear it in his belt. And several times in the movie, the only way that those two stay in the room together is because he has her gun on her. So she's got this moment where she just crumbles in the kitchen, lets him have the gun, is like hunched over by the dishwasher, just like like as a distraught mother would do, but it's just such such a powerless position. And you watch her through this whole thing. They have this really horrible, really bad, wrong sex scene because Kevin Bacon abandons the plan. I'll never be able to unsee it. Listen, this movie's all over the place because theoretically, he's a great kidnapper because he's all business and they have this system. It's just, nope, no problem. It's just just money, right? But then immediately, he exposes his face to the neighbor lady. He has wine. He gets, which can mess you up all kinds of ways. You can get sleepy. He's supposed to be up and like calling this dude every half hour and he's like prancing around with wine and then he like, and then he's like, takes the girl into the bedroom and you learn that this is like something he does all the time. He's got this fetish. Like that's not all business. That's a totally different movie. That's a different movie and you've made half of one and half of the other and she puts a doctor's scalpel. He's an anesthesiologist. He would not have a scalpel in a doctor's bag but here we are. But she was a nurse. She was a nurse. Okay. But, but, Although, As someone who loves trapped, we, no, I mean, although I we carry a scalpel in my bag. Oh, that's true. Connor's a big scalpel although, guy. Yeah. Like, I'm going to put a pin on the career thing, but like, and then she takes the scalpel, hides it between her butt cheeks, Ugh. and then, and then threatens in a in a ballsy move, literally, like threatens to cut his, his you yeah, know, his balls off. Yeah. Well, she's, what is, she's like, whatever. well, she, whatever, she's going to, she could do it all. She could do it all. Sure. Does it, you know? And then like holds it there while he calls Prude Taylor Vince. And like this movie does not get give this man any credit at all because he's like, you know, she can point a gun in his face and he's like, that's cool. But she threatens to nick his balls and he's like, I'll 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 do anything. Yeah, yeah. you know. I did kind of like that as a, a, a like showing the weakness of the Kevin Bacon character. Sure, but I, it's just yeah. very cliched. But totally. but there you go. Totally. And so and and so, but then she cuts him, which is not logical because she hasn't done anything so bad like she hasn't hit a point of no return or anything well, they, she cuts him and yeah. then everything goes off the rails I don't know there's we can get we could talk about Trav for a while about what the problems are but here's my theory about her it's like partway through this movie she's prone she's sucking him off she's got this scalpel between her butt cheeks and then she's got to pull out and threaten him but then like it doesn't quite work out and then she just gets slapped and punched and hit and yeah. beat and like flipped over in a car and then we're at the end of the movie and she picks up a tire iron and you can just see it in her hand like Nicholas and I talked about this my husband and I talked about this like she picks up this tire iron and you can almost see the actor being like what have I been doing this whole movie cowering in the corner 
I'm really tall. I have a tire iron and I can just like solve this, right? And then she takes the gun and she shoots him dead. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like, I feel like the later roles that she'll become known for, she she gets monster and you know, it's this the you know, this real life revenge incredible story. And then you know, and then she winds up like in this Mad Max world that like becomes like pretty yeah, much the badass hit maker. Yes. Like, and then she's an like instant icon in terms of a character. An iconic yeah. role and just the center of female fury. hundred yeah, percent. Like a Rosie the Riveter for like for post apocalyptic, yeah. you know, like water seekers or whatever. Yeah. Like so you could see like I so I wanna say the origin story of the actress who will later become Imperator Furiosa right. was born on the set of Trapped <laughs> where she's there in this piece of shit getting like abused always and it's a it's a really good point to make because it does it does mark uh a turn i mean it is interesting because she so and i don't know if this is a thing where maybe she made maybe she shot trapped and it didn't you know like she does trapped right Mm -hmm. she then does monster was, was that the next one? No, no. Well, because but it does. But tra- Monsters O two, right? No, no. But tra- trap. When's Monster? Tra- tra- oh, three. Monsters O three. Monsters O three. It's like she does trapped, and it feels like things turn because uh, she does the Italian job, right? Right. Same year's Monster. Yeah. O three, big she, year for Shelley. Yeah, huge, huge year. Italian job, big hit. Yeah. She's and, good in it. Charming. And, and did all her own stunt driving. Oh yeah, I oh, always forget cool. that was it's like all, a thing. I it's, did not know that. I don't yeah. want to dive into this other movie too much, but her knowing that little fact about her made me so angry that when she did Fate of the Furious, they like didn't. Yeah, that's, like, that's like Gray. a big thing with Connor. F. Gray, Gray, who who directed her in, in the, the Italian job, job, so knows that she can drive a car, right? Yeah, and is a capable director. Directs an entry in a very successful franchise about driving cars. Super as fast. The, as the villain. And she's yeah. a hacker. Well, she's and a hacker. She, and he puts her behind a computer the whole time? Yeah. Like, she doesn't get to drive a car? That's some, that's that's, some shit. That does seem super unfair. Yeah, that's I, I, It makes me I'm so with mad. you. That is, that is an injustice. So well, I equally don't like that the way they did the title for The Fate of the Furious wasn't F8. F8. Of the, yeah, it's so dumb. Why you gonna I, make a movie? I once talked to somebody about that, and they were like, "No, it's, it's called the Fate of the Furious. Make this it franchise F-A. is better than that." And no. I was like, "This franchise is not better. too fast, too like, furious." Is one of them anyway? Yeah, well, I, I don't want to. So, <laughs> but anyway, so but it's a good point. Yeah. Oh, the idea that O two right O two leads to O three, and and to both of your points, Katie and Connor's points, the idea that like that's kind of the transference, right? It's like mm-hmm. in O three, it's monster, it's Oscar, it's Italian job. And then, like, immediately after, Head in the Clouds come, comes and goes, okay, that's 04. And then North Country is 05. The movie doesn't explode at the box office, but she earns herself an Oscar nomination. And also in 05, and I, this, she's in Eon Flux, which is a famous flop, but... But a strong lead. But she's leading a movie, right? Yeah. Like, like, she's in a movie directed by a female, Karen Kusama, who is a very talented director. Movie kind of was taken from her by the studio. She had a cut. They didn't like the cut. They recut it. It's 90 minutes. It's a really badly patched together movie. Stuart Townsend makes a cameo in it, which is even weirder. Right. Uh, but there's another Stuart Townsend connection. So she's on her way. Well, the the Eon Flux, you know, that choice feeds pretty well into this theory, too. Because, yeah. like, watching it... And it's not a great movie no. at all. And, like... There's a lot of, there's, there's certainly fighting and some of it is 
fine. And I think it, it's, it's there not must luck. be a good cut, I think, though. That's how I feel maybe. about it. You don't think so? Maybe. I think there must be. I don't, maybe. Kara is a good director. I feel like you watch the movie and you're like, there must be 30 more movies. You know minutes. what I think? I think, like, as I mentioned, I mean, I'm old enough to remember Ian Flux on, you know, on um, Liquid Television. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah. I watched that contemporaneously. Were as you, a, like, any t- excited at all when it was coming out? The, in I, well, I wasn't really, it did not look like Good. what I had pictured. Yeah. And I think that that is the peril when you are addressing something like that, something that had a cult following animated and it had a very particular look and feel. And when I saw the trailer, it was like, that does not look one whit like the thing that I saw on Liquid Television. And go. so I kind of gave it a pass and didn't see it until my daughter wanted to see it because she was, she's very Team Charlize, like in, in badass punching roles. So Love that. Yeah, so... You know, but like there she is, like she's got agency, she's fighting, she's like doing this stuff, you know, and and she is a bona fide lead. And yeah, which I think is important because, yes, as we talk about on this podcast, and we were talking about this before the podcast, movie star for me, I think, is a and you were saying maybe what I'm talking about as movie star, as movie star more in your mind is Katie is like icon or or not even or like superstar icon legend superstar right which is like yeah. the Leos the Denzels the Tom Cruises the Julia Roberts the Sandra Bullocks the kind of the Will Smiths the Will Smiths and I'm trying to think of like I guess Viola Davis isn't quite there yet but like someone like her would you know like you get to a point where Did you say Denzel Washington? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you well, said Julia Roberts. Yeah, yeah, but Yeah. point being that escalated level. I think right. of that as a movie star and I think anybody below that who like can't consistently open a movie isn't really a movie star, but I can understand how maybe I'm being a bit too narrow in my definition. Yeah, no, my I, I have a much more forgiving uh, definition of it, which is like if they're if they're on what anyone would call an A list, are they an offer only? They're the biggest thing in the movie that that we are that pursuing in. them for. If they're the biggest name in it, that's a movie star. Yeah, and Charlize is. I mean, not to be is 100 percent a movie star. 100. I'm, I'm not trying to argue that. I think definitely, you know, if not in this initial period that we're talking about now in like the early 2000s I mean I think now but that she's well and by and that's my point by Eon Flux that's right. what's happening so the question is when is Monster the one that did it I think so yeah because Monster was certainly the one that I think made her seem like a I mean to me, Monster is the one that established her as a serious actress. A quote-unquote serious actress. Because, yeah. again, I came into this, like, like I've seen her in these kind of, like, fluffy things or thankless things or, you know, things where it really depends on her being pretty. And then the first thing you see is, oh, this stupendously pretty person yes. is playing a, a fairly objectively ugly person. And it felt like such classic Oscar bait that yeah. I was not really... I... Yeah. But then I, it was great. I think... It was great. Yeah, I think that I... One thing that's funny, uh, as we're talking about uh, Monster, it's like the opposite of what happens to a lot of actresses. She won an Oscar, or and actors. She so famously, right? When you win an Oscar, mm-hmm. okay, your quote goes up, right? That's like what happens, right? Yes. If you win an Oscar and you have an agent, obviously, da 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 da. You win an Oscar when people make offers, your quote goes up because you won an Oscar, right? Because you can say Academy Award winner Charlize Theron when you put your name on the title there and. Okay, thank you. Point being, that actually ends up hurting a lot of actors and actresses sometimes because 
that doesn't price them out necessarily, but the author, the offers get a little slim, a little me, a little bit more homogenous, I think. And you can point to like an Angelina Jolie, who after she won an Oscar, she's in Tomb Raider, but then she's making a lot of kind of subpar movies after Girl Interrupted. Huh. And then obviously, you know, turns it around and starts doing her own thing. But I think Charlize doesn't do that is my point. Yeah. Well, no, no. She's... I. The end of that point makes total sense to me. I, you I think guess I, Angie, maybe not. I think in general, uh, a best actor, best actress Oscar helps way more than it hurts. I guess, ever. But like, think about Halle Berry, right? I feel like it's a thing, right? Like, it, it's definitely something I mean, that's been covered a little bit. Like, she because she wins an Oscar, Die Another Day, right? Uh, not for Die Another Day, but she wins an Oscar for Monsters, <laughs> for Monsters Ball. Ball right. But around that same time, she's in Die Another Day. And then it kind of dries up for her after that for a while. Well, I mean, you're talking about what happens to women in yeah, Hollywood a lot, which I think is be. divorced entirely from what That's happens true. to Academy Award winners. That's true. And there's a separate category of what happens to best supporting actresses which as we've learned is they run into harvey weinstein's dick and if they don't want to like play ball then they go away and everyone's like oh what happened to her i guess there's a curse right. i guess there's a curse in the best supporting oscar not like right. which that has been <laughs> this covered. man predated like, them away a curse and its name was harvey weinstein correct oh, like the the myth of the best supporting actress curse just turning out to be Harvey Weinstein, like a Scooby-Doo villain, is like one of the great tragedies of, like, you know, of Hollywood sure. life. No, it's one hundred percent true. So anyway, I think I think maybe what you're talking about, their expectations do go up, right? And then everyone's looking for your next move, and if your next move, your next couple moves are bad right. or feel lateral or feel beneath you, then people are very quick to judge. So maybe there's that, yeah. but I think. In general, you can't blame the Oscar for that. You know, it really is no, just No, true. Like, yeah. No, of course. Of course. You can't blame the Oscar for that. And obviously winning an Oscar is a wonderful, right? I would imagine. So, I yeah. wouldn't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> so, in North Country, she gets nominated. Ian Flux, she's a movie star. She's leading a movie. That movie obviously underperforms. Not really her fault, of course, like we talked about. In the Valley of... Ella. Ella. I think it's Ella. Ella. Uh, that it's like movie the Rock War is, one, right? So, here's... Yeah. Here's my memory of that movie. I saw it in Buffalo. Okay. Uh, I did not love it. End of the movie, the whole thing is there's it's a murder investigation. Tommy Lee Jones, the lead. Charlize is in as well. Um, is that a Jake Gyllenhaal? Is no, he it's... Um, there's no, a he's in Jarhead. Yeah, I'm there's a bunch of people. Him. But it was that time period. The okay. movie's 07. Paul Haggis. It was his crash follow-up. Oh, right. In the Valley of That's why I blacked it out. Tommy Lee Jones got nominated for an Oscar for this movie, even though the movie vastly underperformed, made $6.5 million. Anyway, he, murder mystery. And the whole thing is... Tommy Lee Jones at the beginning of the movie, he's a patriot, and somebody's like hanging a flag upside down, and he gets very mad about it because it's America and what have you. Mm-hmm. And then he does this investigation, and at the end, what's and I'm I have not seen this movie in a long time, but basically there is corruption within the military that is revealed by Mr. Tommy Lee Jones, and it is being covered up. And so at the end of the movie, and sorry, I suppose for in the valley, he hangs of the, the flag upside down. He hangs the flag upside down, and I was in Buffalo, Buffalo, which. I love Buffalo. Me and Connor met in Buffalo. We went to school in Buffalo. Buffalo is, not unlike a lot of cities around Buffalo, you got a lot of liberals, you got a lot of conservatives, right? You know what I mean? It's Indeed, not, it's, you do. It's, it's a purple world. And outside of this, the metropolis, it's it's red. Okay? So I'm watching this movie in Buffalo, and he does, he puts the flag, I'll sit down, and this guy in front of me was 
not just mad, like more than mad. Like he stood up, he's cursed the screen. He's like, oh, for God, like just. And he was an older guy. Like it was, a, it must have been a press screening. And I it was just always remember that. Oh my God. In the Valley of a Lot. Do you think he wasn't just mad at how rote that is? He was just like, <laughs> oh God, that's just bad writing. Yeah. I, I could have predicted that. Right. Yeah. I, you <laughs> know what? Really passionate. Wow! Yeah. It turns out that guy was David Simon sitting in front of him. No, I'm just kidding. But, but um, <laughs> it was David. This is so Simon. derivative. This I'm, is derivative. I'm storming the fuck out of here. This is more derivative anyway. <laughs> so, but so that's in the Valley of Allah. She makes sleepwalking with um. I think young Jennifer Lawrence is in sleepwalking. You want to give me a check I on that? I might not be remember what this is. I might be thinking of the Burning Plane, but check that for me. Anyway, she's also in The Burning Plane, which is another indie yes. that comes out in the late aughts. Battle of Seattle, we talked about. She's in The Road. It's a very, 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 very small, 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 small role. But pivotal. And small actually, but pivotal. now that we briefly bring up The Road, this is the one thing I wanted to say about Trapped. Okay. We moved away, but this is something I was no, thinking No, let's bring it full circle. Let's hear it. It's based on a novel Trapped is. Yes. Called 24 Hours. They changed the title to Trapped because 24 was a big hit show at the time. So they changed it to, oh, 24 Hours is a really bad title for a movie. What Can we think of a worse one? Yes. Let's call it <laughs> Trapped. Anyway, this is what I thought about when I was watching. I've not read the movie or I've not read the book 24 Hours, but when watching Trapped, I did think to myself, if I was reading this as a book, it would probably work way better for me. And that is a thing that I think is interesting. I read a lot of Lee Child, like as like my enjoyment reads or mm-hmm. whatever, the Jack Reacher books. And I do always think about that. You can do a lot in a book because it's in your mind. And if you can kind of plot it out in the language, then you know what I mean? I, I do. I, I feel I... like if you're reading Trapped, you're like, oh, this is a little... Oh, here's another twist. The oh, burning ooh, plane, here's another twist. Is it with Jennifer Lawrence? Okay. okay. And it's like Kim Basinger, right? It's like generations it's of like people. It's like blondes on wheat yes, fields or yes, whatever. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Burning plane, yes. And it's like a, um, yeah, that movie, um, yeah, that is not a not an amazing picture. But um, anyway, that's my trap thing. My trap thing is that they had six different movies that they could have made. Yes. One of them is like the perfect plan that goes wrong, which is I think the one they thought they were making. Right. There's the one about this, you know, about this grieving father who's like grasping at straws and trying to do anything else. But like, you know, there were there's there's the movie where it's just Prue Taylor Vince and Dakota Fanning, which would have been, would have been clearly the best one. You know, there's the one where there's like marriage is falling apart. This and that, like you know, because there are a couple of cross marriage things where like. You know, Kevin Bacon's trying to get in there in the bedroom and cuckold the man because that seems to be part of the deal. Well, that's like kind of like a, that would be kind of like a desperate hoursy kind of thing. Yes. Right. You know? yes, like yes, a, yes, yes, yes. So there's a lot going on. But in the end, they're just like, they enough. just really need to get to the part where Stuart Townsend flies a plane onto a highway. That's really what this was. I feel like that was in the Such pitch. Such a ridiculous they're like, And at the ending. end, oh there's a plane and he literally almost kills his daughter like seven times. He's there trying to save her. And then he drives his plane onto the highway into a log truck. Like. <laughs> And then there's a huge crash, and and the girl like hits the dashboard, and, like poor like, Dakota. Yeah, man, and she, yeah. yeah, yeah. But she was committed. That's she a committed, committed little actress. And Holy you're right. shit, she's the best. She's the best part of that movie. <laughs> okay, so um, and so on. anyway, he also kind of Townsend kind of also looks like a literal child. Yeah, he's a young he is significantly guy. younger than her. He he is six years younger than. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. And then so just flying flying through the road, uh, small but pivotal, like we said, young adult. I love. 
So we don't need to. I thought I mean, she was great in Young I'll Adult. Just, yeah, yeah, she's great in it. And I think this Young Adult is, I think, worth mentioning in the context of like, you know, she did sleep while she did all these little movies that we just mentioned. Also a mean right? movie. She had done. And Charlie's she being done mean. Done different kind of movies. Different kind of mean. Which was like a huge hit. Right? Oh, Hancock, but, right. But, you know, she's the second, third lead in it. A right. second lead. I mean, she's the other. Third's kind of the she's second the other, lead. She's oh, the other right. God. Oh, right. She's the other uh, God. That's right. The last, the last third, they're fighting. That's the Spoilers last Spoilers for the 2003 movie, Hancock. Or <laughs> whatever. Um, whatever it was. 2008. Was it 2008? Oh, my God. Uh, whichever. And it was like, I'm only saying The 2008 movie, Hancock. And that was the last the full-blown Will Smith hit that wasn't a Men in Black movie. Yep. Oh, uh, been a long time. Been a long, oh, I guess Suicide Squad, but, but anyway. But she has this little track record of little movies. She does Hancock, does a couple little movies, and then does Young Adult. And I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like that put her back in kind of this like, oh, she's a. And that's right actress. at the end. She's no longer with Stuart Townsend at this point, right? She gets a nomination or almost gets a nomination for Young Adult. We'll check on that. And then Snow and the Huntsman. She's the bad guy. Yeah, she's she the is, queen. She is the queen. Pretty good performance. Pretty subpar. A pretty normal movie. Pretty. It's just it's a. a, it's a My understanding is that's a pretty terrible movie, well, but it sequel, performs super well. The sequel is 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 a tough one. Okay. I, I, yeah, the the first one's not great either. But I guess I'm just the sequel is just it's a. And it's like a prequel sequel. I don't know why you would have a sequel to that movie yeah, that is not just, literally just for trying to print money. Yeah, like and it just didn't, no it just didn't work. And it she didn't got work. nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah, but not okay. an Oscar. Okay, correct. Okay. And so Prometheus, let's just not talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. She's really bad on it, right? I don't yeah. want to talk about it, right? Do we the, agree? I, f- I do feel- want to talk about it really quick. Okay, but it's really she's quick. not good, though. I here, but here's the It's thing. not her fault. I'm not no, blaming no, no, her. I agree. I think she's making a choice in that movie. <sighs> Uh, it's none of it works. A choice to be in Prometheus. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's what choice what, do you think she's making? What feels I'm weird. In this. What feels weird in retrospect about Prometheus is that you you like you put her in a movie, and now you know now we see her as Furiosa and Atomic Blonde and whatever, right? And you put her in the franchise that you know was helped. It was spawned by Sigourney Weaver as a tough. Lady Harold. Lady, yeah. Right. Yeah. And you think to yourself on paper, you're like, oh, an alien movie starring Charlie's Throne. That's perfect. Right. Right. She instead kind of is given, you know, this mustache twirly bad guy role. Right. And spoilers again. I, well, uh, <laughs> and it kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not really her fault. I don't think I think she tries to take what's written as this yeah. kind of like frigid ice queen role and 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 i think after literally playing a frigid ice queen, yeah right i mean instantly yeah and i think and i think deliberately makes it a little mustache twirly like i'll I'll never forget that you and i i remember this distinctly went to go see prometheus at a midnight screening and it was the first midnight screening either of us had been to in forever but we were both kind of jacked on the movie of course i mean the trailers look like this was going to be it oh my god in imax at midnight or oh my god or yeah i think it was even past midnight yeah. yeah yeah and and i remember walking out of the movie and being so angry and never like i don't know just particularly when she has the scene with guy pierce it's the reveal that he's her father right and she has this like star wars-esque line delivery of the word father to like reveal that he's her father oh god and it feels clearly like a deliberate choice 
so it's not it's not good, but it's the kind of thing that I feel like that was her being like, okay, well, I don't want to necessarily just be like frigid ice queen because there's literally a whole scene where Idris was like, you're a frigid ice queen. She was like, no, I'm not. And then it, it's like it's like maybe we have sex. Like it's there's a whole scene that's literally that. Right? Yeah. And I think the mustache twirliness was like a decision by her to like at least chew the scenery a little bit and make the role like not some, some, not super boring. Yeah, 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 something else. It is to no effect, really. Now I do love Alien Covenant. I will say that. Yeah, that's the and better. She's not in that, but anyway. So a million ways to die in the West, uh, Seth MacFarlane movie. Nah. Yeah, yeah, but the one thing I will say is that I was you're saying this stuff about Prometheus made me thinking about her various gears because yeah. she I think she is she is she's a very good actress but selectively and her range is not gigantic okay. that which is yeah. fine I, yeah. that's often the case with movie stars actually like movie stars as opposed to like journeyman actors right you know I feel like she's got a, a few gears and we saw the like. Ingenue gear happily like fade out at its given time. Right. She has her Furiosa gear where she's just like kicking ass, and that's obviously my favorite gear. Yeah. And there's a gear that's just like super fun. Like we've skipped over Waking Up in Reno, which is a sure. bizarre movie. That's yeah, which got, I've like, never seen. Billy Bob, right? Billy Bob, Patrick Swayze, Classic Natasha Richardson, yeah. and it's like one of those like madcap. Everybody's a little dumb and a little greedy and there's like some husband wife swapping oh. there's some couple swapping okay. going on and it's and it's like kind of slapsticky in a grown up way and okay. it's not it's super uneven but like it's her it's it's like a bit of a glimpse in her fun gear which does not get to, to come out and play a lot. Like I feel like we see that fun gear in that little movie. Young we adult, get to, a little bit. Young adult, we see her fun gear. Yeah, but it's, but it's but like yeah, it's fun. like jaunty. Like she has some fun. We see it where she has that lovely arc on Arrested Development. Oh, I love her. I forgot. Which about is that. which is when I truly was like, okay, Mr. I really F. like her. Right. I don't hate her at all. I don't care how pretty she is. I really like her. Yeah. Like when she plays Rita, the the slow, yes, the secretly That's slow. So funny. You know, also pairing with Jason. Bateman. Jason Bateman. That's mm-hmm. right. Oh. Her first pairing of Jason That's Bateman. Right. Yeah. And um, so I feel like A Million Ways to Die in the West is a place for her to like exercise that I mischief just, yeah. gear. I just wish it was better. Of she's, course. She's also not entirely unfunny in the movie. Like she has a few deliveries that are like choice and pretty good. Yeah. I mean, no. that movie's not, you know, it's not really worth it. But. Um, and then Mad Max. Yeah. Which we talk about a lot. Great. Yeah. Which is definitively an A-side, but yeah. Iconic. But what an A-side. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. And then um, and then our last, you know, B-side, a movie that really didn't come out. Right? really didn't come out. It's called Dark Places. Directed by the gentleman who directed Sarah's Key only a few years before, which was a Chris and Scott Thomas movie. Yeah, um, I'd never heard of this director in my life. Yeah. This movie. Okay. So. Do you think. G- Gillian or Gillian Flynn? Gillian Flynn? Gillian Flynn. I think Flynn. it's Gillian Flynn. I think it's Gillian. Gillian but, Flynn, based on her book. Yes. She did not write it. He wrote it. No. He wrote it. She didn't write it. Here's my experience. Sometimes when I watch a movie that makes no sense, at the end uh, of it, it says, based on a novel by Gillian Flynn, and I go... Oh, well, this that makes sense, so and that is what happened to me this time. Yeah, and this is yeah, and this yeah. is what I wanted to say about Jillian Flynn. So it's interesting, though, right, about her because now she's now she's like, uh, like she's the go-to twist she's girl and yeah, properties. And, like it's kind of yeah. nuts. Like actually, like so, Gone Girl, of course, Dark Places. She's like the Patricia Highsmith, right, of her time. Uh, Gone Girl. I mean, she just she co-wrote Widows. Widows, right? Yeah. I was gonna say so. 
And but so my sharp point objects. is right. sharp objects, sharp objects, obviously, which yeah. I so Oops. here's the deal. I really don't like sharp objects. A lot of people love it. So I think it's, I think it's okay. boring. But so you know, my my so my, my wife Kelly loves it. I stopped. Eli Eli Hyden, shout out Eli Hyden, who we work with at the company me and Connor work at. He loved it. So people love it. I did not. Um, I stopped as well. You stopped. I I finished it, but I, I, I will tell you there are things that I love about it, yeah. but I was not like. I kept watching when you watch it late at night. Like there was a 50-50 shot, I was out. Right. So right. Saying that. Point being. Yes. Interesting. Interesting writer where it's like you have like this movie, Dark Places. Is I guess my point is this is what an outlier this movie is because Widows, big release, not making a ton of money, but getting well received. Sharp sure. Objects, big HBO release, basically got very good reviews, getting a lot of notice at the end of the year on best of TV lists. You know, does I think pretty well. Like the viewership number is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Gone Girl, huge hit. Everybody oh, yeah. loves it. And legitimately, it. like a great movie, a great, and a movie. great script. And yeah. I was like, this Julian Flynn lady, like, hundred percent. I think I like her. But. So it's just so funny to me that Dark Places, which is the one where she has, as I, as I understand, the least uh, involvement, where you know the director is writing it and adapting it himself and then directing it, is the one that like nobody knows about. It's on Netflix. I had never heard of this. I will point out this was like I I picked this as like I was like I want to talk about this one because yeah. it was not because it's a later period one where Charlize Theron can do whatever she wants. Mm. It comes out the year after Mad Max, so I think that short haircut she's got in it is because she had her head shaved. Like literally, that's Probably. as far as her hair she's grows. She's wearing a hat a lot of the time. Oh, it's Gill. By the it way. is Gillian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gillian. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gillian. See, I've learned two things there today. You go. See, fact um, Connor. <laughs> also, but, producer Connor. So here, here's my thing. When you are a writer that has a tendency for the macabre, like fem- like female killer, like f- like the dark side of femininity, right. you know what I mean? Like the like the dark things women can do. And I think that I really actually appreciate Gillian Flynn in her placing that into our like our cultural world, right? Because there isn't enough of it, you know? Like, like you have to understand totally. that women are just as, like, fucked up as men are, and she really is, like, made it her mission to put that on screen whenever possible, or in books, whenever possible. Right, right. But you have to be careful when you are putting twisty-turny things together that you are keeping a keen eye on the narrative, that you're keeping a keen eye into what the audience knows, what they care about, what is, what the, where the suspense what points are about. What they care about is the big one. Yeah, because there were a lot of twists and turns in this, but a lot of them were just flat out like sub-Agatha Christie red herrings well, and, that well, don't yeah. matter. And the point, to your point, is that the central mystery of the, of the film, which is what the whole movie is about, I'm watching it today. I'm watching it today, and I am literally like, I do not care about this. <laughs> Uh, you know, and that's, I mean, just fundamentally, I'm watching this movie and I'm watching Charlize. She plays Libby Day, who is this young, when she was a young six-year-old, there was this massacre, right? Or whatever. Eight, however, but eight, whatever sorry, yeah. thank you. Eight, eight-year-old, uh, this massacre happened where her brother was ultimately convicted of killing the rest of her family? Yeah, her mother and her two older sisters. Right. So basically, there's some dude who comes through with a shotgun, kills her mom, kills her two older sisters, she escapes, right. and her brother is convicted for the murder. 
in part because he confesses to being a Satanist and definitely doesn't stick up for himself in the trial. Right. And he's put away for 28 years. Right. And so Ty Sheridan plays the young brother who grows up to be Corey Stoll, which casting directors <laughs> out there. What? were we doing in no world does ty sheridan become Corey stoll sure but i think they did it to put ty sheridan in the movie and to put Corey. (laughs) okay i spent that whole time thinking it was ezra miller (laughs) (laughs) and so you have this sorry (laughs) don't you ever be sorry thinking that ezra miller's in the movie love ezra so there's a lot of satanism in the movie there is it's weird there's a lot of Satan stuff. I was surprised how much Satan stuff there was in this movie. Um, I f- this is where I feel like maybe... And as was- a Satanist, I mean... <laughs> I, well, I, I felt, I felt heard. I felt represented. <laughs> I Look, I, I remember when Satanic right. cult... Like, it was basically like the Tide Pod story of the <laughs> mid-80s. It really was. And so you see, like, a glimpse of, like, I think, like, Twisted Sister, whatever it was, like, yes, you yes, know, like, yes. on, on TV. And I remember when like Republican congressmen were getting freaked out because they were like, all these teens today, they're becoming Satanists and there's a Satanist cult. It has to do with heavy metal music. And they legitimately believed it and they talked about it exactly the way they would later talk about NWA and like rap music corrupting the youth. And then later we talk about like, did you hear teens are doing this thing called XYZ? Blanking. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so it was... I think in a different director's hands where you can, f- where you better feel the hysteria around it in like small towns right. and totally. like the kid that dresses weird, but like there hasn't yet been a Columbine. So you could just be like, oh, he's a weirdo. He's a Satanist, you know? And then the kids like being like largely teenage boys that would be into this, like take that and be like, yeah, man, I'm a Satanist. And people did legitimately like draw pentagrams with the two points up. Like people, like I knew boys who did that just because they thought it would make them a badass. It's a trolling thing. It's like a, yeah. Exactly. 80s version of it. Yeah. An 80s version of it. So I think in a different director's hands, they could look at that for like the hysteria and the remove that it was. But I think they kind of leaned into it here. Yeah. Given that they butcher point. cows. Uh, like yeah, they go and murder so some cows. So Connor, who... <laughs> I have not. I have not. Watched He's that. not seen it. There's a whole scene where you so you have Chloe Grace Moretz who's in the picture who plays a crucial character in the movie, and then is there's an older version of her. She is having a relationship with Ty Sheridan, who's the young brother, and flashback. A lot of flashbacks in this movie, and there's this whole scene where they like butcher cattle. They butcher cows is... on rush. They take they they right. they hit the rush and then they kill the cows. And it's like there's like a mestizo, like you know, right. teenager, blood and, spattered, and there's and yeah, and they're and they like sort of egg the guy on to like kill the cows and stuff. Basically, like to bring it back to Charlize, yeah. the reason we're here, she comes in and the first ten lines she has because she's the sole survivor and she's basically grown up to do nothing, right. And they have a bit of weird uncalled for voiceover that only comes in it must be periodically. From the book, right? I kept being probably just reading. there's no need for it yeah, at all because yeah. they're at the beginning, the end, and like once or twice in the middle of when you and just enough for you to jar and go like, what? what are we? Oh wait, there's voiceover, I guess. Yeah. Right. So she comes I, in and gives us some unnecessary interior monologue about how she was given money by strangers because there was this big sensational case, and then she just uses it to do nothing, and she has a book by her, I just air quoted, by her that's like ghost written and she doesn't do anything and then she winds up needing money. So she gets paid a scant amount of money by these like true crime people to like right. find out who the real killer was because they picked up this cold case. Right. They and think her, Ben is innocent. Yeah, the brother. Ben is the brother who's been in jail for 28 years 
and has been becoming, you know, Corey Stoll when he was Ty Sheridan. And um, she's convinced he did commit the crime. Yeah, she testified against him because right. she thought she remembered it, but she was also, like, not really remembering yeah, right. Ate, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's a good premise for it's a, a movie. It's kind of a great premise. That, like, what happens to the person yeah. who grows up out of these stories if they don't become Elizabeth Smart and, like, does something amazing with their lives? Like, did 100%. they just, Like, there's a lot of pressure for that. And then, so they sort of recruited her to, like... You know, these, like, true crime yeah, aficionados. The, the Kill Club. The Kill Club. They have this really unfortunate scene in the beginning. Oh, that that's so dumb and gratuitous. Where it's like a, where she comes in and they're, and they're like, they're all cosplaying. They're, they're oh, cosplaying, like, murders. Or someone comes up, like, Ted Bundy or whatever, and, like, threatens her, the legitimate survivor of, uh, of a grisly murder. Like, or a grisly, like murder spree right right she's she's the survivor and she's like having to wander through this cosplay jungle Nicholas Holt is like taking her through all these things and they've but they basically want her to help solve this crime and she's reluctant but she does it and she's playing the like well it doesn't really fucking matter like everything's like well I don't really why'd you fucking do that and it's like the writing is super lazy where they they just like splash a few fucks in her first few lines and then you get that she's over it she dresses like a legitimate undercover detective. Yeah. To like where I saw the the Netflix icon for this and I was like, oh, she's playing a detective because she's got like Yeah, a hat she's got like some... what's funny is I'm look sorry, not to Yeah, off. no, I'm please. Just, I'm just I, I'm like <laughs> looking at images of her from the movie. I'm like, is she a detective? No, she's well, not she she's also, an amateur she detective. She ultimately right, becomes like an amateur sleuth in the picture. But the but the problem is the mystery needs to be a mystery, right? The beauty of Gone Girl is, right, it's one mystery and then it becomes, right in the middle, another thing, right? It's like, right. it's one thing and then it becomes another thing. So at the moment you're like, oh no, I get this. Why are we even, are, are we done? <laughs> right. It becomes another thing in the book right. and also the movie. The problem with, with Dark Places is the thing that is being... Her apathy and and not even apathy, but her her pain and suffering and her need to believe it was her brother is the only thing preventing this mystery from being solved. And once she actually activates, it's relatively simple to solve the movie. Literally, it's a tattoo and a connection of like a name to the tattoo to the real name of the... That's what it is, right? right? That's the whole thing. So if you're writing that screenplay, I have to think... You're saying to yourself, oh, this is thin. This is a little thin. And well, so they throw in a bunch of like red herrings 100%. because like her, you know, because the the kid's like no good dad is there. Right. There's like, you know. And, and then that's they, what it is. It's just then, red herrings. And then the answer was is, is presented early. And I remember thinking, oh, that seems plausible. But then it turns out to be kind of a like two answer, which is the least satisfying one. Like, I don't know why I'm like... Per- preserving this because i mean like no right but, but right. it's recent I enough i feel like i respond yeah. i feel a responsibility to like not give the whole thing away yeah, yeah no no I but agree. i will i will say that like Charlize theron was a producer like a lead producer on this right. she's like the first three and i'm thinking about it from her perspective like she takes this thing she's hot off mad max she's hot off of this like this you know where, where she's like this badass protector and she comes in and i can see the choice to be like i want to play a kind of anti-hero yeah. the women don't get to play a lot you because no one tries no one in this tries to have sex with her i don't believe at all. so because nicholas holt is all Nick, nicholas holt is i kind of thought he was gonna be the kid i kind of thought like i was waiting for nicholas holt to have a reveal oh, when, like, i see he, i thought he was going to be and why wouldn't you do that 
Why don't you go full? Camp? I thought, he, but but really, he was just an interested guy that like dropped off the face of the movie for he's most like of it. He's not in the second half. And then like later, he finds her. He's like, it's okay. He's yelling her name and like clearly putting her in more danger. But whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just, you. I'll spoiler the rest if I talk about it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I can see her choice to play somebody who's like usually played by a dude. I can see Mark Wahlberg from The Yards. Yes. playing this kind of like, well, tough stuff has happened to me, so I don't want to talk about it. I haven't done much with my life. I'm kind of a loser. That's, is Mark you Wahlberg know? in the podcast? Is he with us? Yeah. That, that was <laughs> a perfect Mark Good to see you. So, so like, she, you know, she dresses very asexually, and she's just like, and she is not, and she is there not as anybody's object of desire. She is not anybody's, yeah. like, she does get imperiled, but not in a not in a predatory like not in a sexually predatory way more in a like you know too much kind of way yes and like I can see her choice to do that plus you know like Gillian Flynn and all that other stuff and you can you can see like you can see her wanting to make that choice and I can see choices of female agency that are like very much in contrast to what's happening around the time of the arts you know what I mean just like bring it full circle in this particular case it does not work no one bit none of it does no, but that it's... is not I, there could be many reasons for that. No, and, I th- you know. and look, and I think this speaks to like what we're getting now, which I love, is you're getting people like Charlize, you're getting people like Reese Witherspoon, you're getting people like Sandra Bullock who are taking more agency of the project, pro, no, agency is the wrong word, taking more control of the projects they're working on, um, which I think is great. So because you, know, you have your successes where, like look, Reese produced Hot Pursuit with her and Sofia Vergara. Not a hit, but then, or good, <laughs> or good. But then she produced um, Big Little Lies, which is yeah. very huge, and we're all very excited about season two. And da 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 da. I would hope the same for Charlize moving forward, right? I would hope she continues to get more control. Sandra Bullock, similarly, right? She produced, she had a hand in Our Brand is Crisis, not a big success, but she's moving forward. She's trying to champion things, so I like that. So to your point, yes. The impetus is there. The motivation, you can understand it. I just wish it co- it co- it congealed in a way that worked or was engaging. Not even worked, was engaging. That's the big thing. I think. Yeah. I think and, I, 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 it was hard to get through the first half of this. Like, hard. And, like, totally. I I tried to give myself all sorts of ways to make it easier. Like It's like the it, perfect Netflix. Like, it's the perfect Netflix in the... It, it, in the way of you would have clicked off of it. You know what I mean? After 20 minutes, you'd be like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah like, yeah, like, wh- like movies to fold laundry to is where this, is where this 100%. comes in the Netflix queue. Yes, yes, yes. And, but like, there was a point at which there were several like little bits of the story where like Christina Hendricks plays her mom. The mother. Yeah. And there are a couple of really compelling moments where you can see. And, and I think, you know, you know, where the mother is faced with foreclosure of the farm. She is destitute. She has it. One son who's being accused of bad stuff. Cause he's a like public Satanist and people are talking shit about him and like like a couple of her daughters are kind of crappy yeah <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah. and they have no money and her husband is a, is a dickhead who who has some very rote dialogue about what a bad person she is because she's not sharing her money oh, so we can drink it yeah, away that scene it's just there's a lot of scene that's the problem for every moment you're like oh this is good acting christina Hendricks, who she, just her whole post madman career just kills me because i just feel like she never gets a full shake like she's good in little, these little snippets and i just i want her to have a bigger yeah she she was uh, very affecting yeah, in this I movie agree. where I she agree. didn't really need to be like it was totally. not the it was not the most it was not the deepest of roles right. but i think she really put something in there but then there's then you have like speaking of cosplaying you i i when i watch actors cosplaying redneck it drives me up a goddamn wall right 
and I feel like it, when I see it, it it just it makes me so annoyed because. Is it because like the actor doesn't prepare enough no, to, in your mind, or I feel like it's a sort of joint effort. Sometimes it's the dialogue, sometimes it's the actor, sometimes sometimes it's just like they give him too much of a mullet, and you're like, "Come on, yeah," you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And like, and that doesn't mean that anytime you watch people who are like poor or troubled or just southern in movies, like it's necessarily bad. I mean, I feel like Winter's Bone is like the quintessential example of what happens when you like go to Appalachia and like, you know, and like try to really capture that, and they like do it well. Yeah, but I. When you see an actor like who, like the guy who played the the dad, the like deadbeat dad, he's got one come scene, in. Basically. He's got one scene two, which not. exists solely so he could like take the money, like knock around a little bit, call it cut. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And like, I the reason it makes me so mad is that I feel like it is a writer's excuse and a director's excuse, a filmmaker's excuse to just put people up there behaving crappily. With no good justification, I'm like, well, they're white trash, so like, whatever. Yeah, I, the, and and certainly, white people are not th- at all the only people who are subject to this. I mean, this is just the white version of like 100%. every like, like, can you play it more ghetto or whatever? Like, and you know, and white people have a pretty good shake, all things considered, in terms of roles no, that you're to play. No, but you're totally right. But like, like, it just it's just an excuse for people to say shitty things to each other on screen. Right. That's it. No, and that scene is a great example of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dark places. And this, so this was A24, which is funny now because A24 has this kind of kind of beautifully built brand. But A, this this was one of the A24 movies that they had to deal with DirecTV. And there's a few movies they made, they came out with, that the deal was basically they got a small theatrical release and then was exclusive direct TV, exclusive released to DirecTV. Exclusively released to DirecTV. We so got there. you have... Mississippi Grind was one of them. Great movie that I love. Uh, Slow West. A lot of people love that movie. So you had some good ones. You had some bad ones. This is one of the ones that kind of came and went. Um, after this, we're kind of up to where, you know, basically up to the present. She does voice work in Kubo and the Two Strings. She's Great. in Fate of the Furious. Uh, we talked about as Cypher, I believe. With those... Hacking cornrows. The cornrows. Uh, I like her in the it. Coachella dreads. Yeah, I got Connor, I got Connor has that problem. I, I, uh, I, I think she's a good villain in it. Um... Atomic Blonde. I think we all really like yeah, Atomic yeah. Blonde. I have room. I have a stupid dumb love for Atomic Blonde. I, I, I like really it. I feel about Atomic Blonde the way I think that most people feel like feel about Die Hard, except that I also really like Die Hard. No, but, right. Like, but I, that it kind of juices that well, same. People kind of call thing. it Jane Wick, and I think that's totally right. I mean, Jane I think, Wick is perfect. Yeah, I, I think that that's the, true. I think the, it's good. The thing about that movie, I think that that uh, is apropos of this conversation is. I don't even know how much I like that movie in terms of like uh, its devices, plot, and, stuff, and yeah. devices and things like. that. I mean, that. it's I much think, thinner than Die Hard, I, I should say. I just think <laughs> like, much think thinner. In the grand scheme of like spy movies, it's not that good. No. But I do love the movie because she is like so crazy good, just as a presence on screen, and yeah. I think it's a testament. Uh, I mean, this is a little bit of a, another tangent, but I think. I think she is one of the performances I would cite as a testament to like how how much of a bum rap the action genre gets in terms of like acting and things like that. Because yeah. I think I think in that that's uh, a great point. Well, that's in like that in the, that's the Tom Cruise Fallout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think I, I, although Tom Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise and Fallout that conversation has been happening for a year. It'd be like, hey guys, 
these movies are really good. Well, no, yeah, but, yeah, guys, no, that's this is hard to do. No, but Did you know that? Yeah. That's hard to do. But that's my point. I feel like it's happening with Fallout, right? Yes. To her credit, again, churning slowly, right? People are starting to be like, oh yeah, like stuntmen should get Oscar yeah, right like there should be some sort of hard yeah, yeah. And, and it's and a I dance I mean it's you know it's Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers you know what I mean there's a thing happening that needs to be choreographed I, and there's a reason I think there's a reason also like you you cite even earlier uh, huge moments in action right like there's a reason Harrison Ford is amazing in Raiders of the Lost Ark and it's because when you watch that dude in a fight you're like yeah man I don't know that looks hard right <laughs> right and in he, atomic, he might not come out okay Atomic Blonde she gives a very similar performance in that regard because, like, that whole sort of fake one near the end of the movie... Yeah. It's beautifully done, both directed, acted, all of it, because as you get further along in that scene, she is just, like, dragging her feet, and it just... Fe- like, you just feel it, like, every single moment of it. And I think... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think and- it's such a... It's like she should have... Should have gone. I think she's so good. It's, yeah, it's and stupid. And you know, and like credit to credit to the filmmakers too for like starting out to be like, look, you you start out and she's beat to shit. Like that's yeah, the yeah. first thing you know about her is that she has been beat to shit. And the whole movie's about how does she get so beat to shit? And like, so you know things are gonna get ugly. But I think that like, while it's not a new point to say that maybe violence in movies has been portrayed a little cavalierly and like you don't really see the effects, like just the the fact that the device that they keep coming back to these ice baths that she's just got to like soak all of this in ice, in actual ice for a long time because when you get hit and kicked and punched in the face and get swung off of balconies and you hit them and like mm. it hurts and you know we're taking some license in that she hasn't died four times from all these things, but like. Yeah. But they really do some work trying to make you earn every single, like, hurrah when she hits a bad guy. Because yeah. it's not just easy. It's yeah. not I just think, fake. Yeah. I, and I think it also, it's the, I think that whole character and her whole just general move with that movie feels very much in, in, in that, like, in with her ethos as far as, like, what you've been talking about. Like, wh- where she decided to take this trajectory of her, uh, of her decisions. Because I think... She also, while she is sexualized in the movie, she's not really objectified. You know, it's movie. on her own terms. Yeah, for right. sure. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, she's very sexual in the movie, but it's yeah, it's it not did. like an. Yeah, she's, og- she's it's not in an ogling way. It's not. It's in a way yeah. that feels like it fits with the story. And it feels story. like yeah, she's using it. She's using yeah. those wigs. She is using in, that in body. A James she Bond is James Bond kind of way. Yeah, in a way that like James Bond would be sexualized and like, or. Yeah. yeah, and Sophia Butea also like really lovely turn in that, you know, yeah. and, and you oh, know, yeah. and they She's have great. their whole their whole plot and like and puts the heart into it where she really starts feeling like you see her trying to protect somebody else in real time and a thing that she probably doesn't do a lot, you know. Yeah, and then Sophia Butea actually has a similar type of somewhat role supporting role in Hotel Artemis actually, which is kind of funny, which came out this All year. Right. Yeah, but so oh, twenty eighteen Gringo, uh, Australian comedy. Came and went. It's on Prime now. Uh, I'm not a big fan. I didn't see it, but crime, they, you know, crime caper comedy. My husband did, and I was like, "Do I need to see it?" And he's like, "Not for this." Yeah, <laughs> um, she's having fun in it, though. To your point, she, it's a fun role in terms of like her comedy. Tully, also with Jason Reitman, also uh, a Diablo, Diablo Cody, Cody script. Yep. Yeah, um, reteaming. I enjoy it. It's ambitious. That's all I'll say. There's like a, a pretty big, huge twist in it, so I won't re- really okay. go much into it. Anyway. 
That's it. What's next? What do we? What's the next thing? What do we want? What do we want to see next from Char Lee's Theron? Well, aside from Atomic Blonde two, which which is maybe in the will work. happen, right? Yeah. No, it's, it's in the woods. no, it's definitely look, yeah. look on IMDb. I'm positive it's in the works right now that Atomic Blonde two is coming out, which I will see in the theaters, right? Yeah. Um, with my daughter, I don't care if it's rated. Oh, has your daughter she, seen Atomic Blonde? She absolutely has. It was a family date, and she was not yet eight years old. There is a ton of violence and a lot of swearing and bad stuff in there. But I was yeah, like, we'll make it. We'll allow it. You know. It's been announced. Um, so hopefully She's, it gets made. She's playing Megan Kelly in the Roger Ailes movie that they're making. They're filming it right now. Russell Crowe plays Roger oh, Ailes. Oh, that's and interesting. And that is being made by Jay Roach, who uh, you know him from Austin Powers movies. You know him from The Campaign, which was the movie he made is with Will Ferrell. He also did Recount. Is he it, also did Game okay. Change. So political, comedy, okay. co- you know. Is it wrong that I'm like not interested in any untitled Roger Ailes project that isn't um, an Adam McKay venture? Like, well, but I think it's in this way, right? I Jay mean, Roach is in that I think world. Would be it might be. I like guess, that. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Okay, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm down. I think that watching I, her play Megyn Kelly is gonna be fascinating. I, well, and I think to your point, I would like to see that fun, fun Charlize. I think, yeah. I mean, look. And this is always nice when when this happens on the pod. I think the movies she's got on deck are the mo- the movies we want her to be making. Right? You're yeah. excited about Tom Bond too. Mm-hmm. I think her having fun is making Kelly's going to be pretty exciting. So that's nice. It's nice to see that coming up. She's in another movie just for you know uh, the sake of it called Flarsky. Uh, that well, is a, a comedy. That's Jonathan. a bad name. Yeah, well, I, mean, I don't like that name. It's Fred Flarsky is an unemployed journalist, battered by his own misfortune who endeavors to pursue his childhood crush and babysitter who now happens to be one of the most powerful and unattainable women on the planet. That's what IMDb says. Jonathan Levine, who did The Wackness, who did 50-50, who did All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. Okay. Um, it's Charlize, it's Andy Serkis, Seth Rogen, Alexander Skarsgård. So, okay. June Diane Raphael, who we like here on the show. I, j- I love her. So I love her. <laughs> She also has, I don't know if you said it, she also is working on the Adams Family animated movie, which feels... Is she playing Morticia? She is, but here's the weird farce of that movie. She's playing Morticia. Oscar Isaac is playing Gomez Adams. <gasps> Why is it not live action? Oh my God. Both of them, that I, that is... I would watch the two of them do that. Maybe shtick. maybe that'll be the secret is that it I will be. Sure. They'll just be like... I uh, would absolutely I sure watch so. that. Plus, wouldn't it be great if Christina Ricci came in in some way or other? Right. Oh, and then they have so that, nice. and like a monster reunion. I don't know who she'd play, but like. Those yeah. movies I didn't have, I didn't watch them when I was a kid, and I went, I, over the years I went back and watched them, and they were very good. They those are two very good. Very Sonifil movies, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, they, and the, like, and you need some chemistry between um, Morticia and, um, oh God, the. Adams, Gomez. Gomez, Adams, yes. Gomez. He just said it, so I'm sorry, but um, but yeah, Gomez, like they they would make a very very fun Gomez go. and Morticia. I would love to see that. That's great. Space. So when you're at, if you were to ask me what I hope she does next, it's a live action version. There you go. The we'll have to call. Definitely. We'll, we'll call John Hollywood and yeah. we'll figure it out. Um, go ahead. Do no, you, I was going to say final thoughts. Final oh, Charlize thoughts. Well, I was going to, I was, I had a, I had a vision of where, what I wanted her to do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Final, final. Okay. Thing. So I think if we're talking about reteaming, which I think there's a lot of people she could team up with again, I would love to see her reteam with Jason Bateman in a season three of Ozark. Oh. Because they, you know, Jordana Brewster. Yeah. Uh, no, no, Bruce, Jordan not Spiro. Spiro, Spiro, Jordana Spiro. Yes, Jordan um, Spiro. yeah, Nicholas is gonna be mad. He loves her, so she, she, she may not be 
you know, she, oh, she in the show, she in the show, she like may or may not. no, I mean, which are no spoilers, no, 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 like everything's yeah, fine. Yeah, no, no, no. But like, I can like, there is a lot of room for someone to come back, you know, someone to come into the town, someone from out of the town yes, yes, yes. who has uh, influence in some way. I think it would be like a season long arc, as something like what Genevieve Tier had, but in a different role, and. um I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, and they that's should do it. a great idea. They I should hire me for you. the room. That's what I think. <laughs> that is the writer's room I would most want to be in in the world. That show oh my God. In the world. That's show. my one. Okay. Connor, any final thoughts? No, I mean, uh, you know, I, I was just sort of thinking about the context of us, you know, having that conversation of like what defines a movie star. And uh, yeah, just to reiterate kind of what I said before, I think, I think if she was not a movie star for at least... Most of the career that we've known her, I think she certainly is now. I know that, you know, I know that I, for one, when I see her face in something, it at least lends the air of like, oh, maybe that's worth it, right? Like, it's, you know, so um, I think she would also be, I, I would love to see her in some kind of a role. And it's, I, say, I say this only because I feel like I'm also partial to these kind of movies. I would love to see her do kind of like a, maybe not a chamber movie, but some movie where it's like just her. Mm. Like, mm. I would love to see her do some kind of like a 127 hours. Or, or like a, the conversation or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, just like something mm. where it's like just like mm. this like one man band of a movie uh, where it's just her really just like commanding the screen and like making a meal out of it I think I have no final thoughts I like your guys' ideas I think we should call like I said call John Hollywood see what he thinks about live action Adams Chamber and bring her on Ozark that's it thank bring you bring her on and Ozark it'll be divine that's it Katie where, what do you got going on where can we find you in the Twitter world blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> I am I have a very small Twitter following on at Katie Gonzo oh yeah but it's A-T-I-E. a good Twitter handle though well, I've had it for a long time, so, go. you know, Katie I got in early, it. got on the ground floor. And, you know, and uh, look for the next stuff we're doing at uncompromisedcreative.com. There you go. And, yeah, and including the paper store, which we mentioned, which you can watch on Amazon Prime, which is a good movie, which um, was co-written by Nicholas Gray, too. Let's not yeah. forget. And um, what about me? DJ Mac on Twitter, Film Stage, Connor. Uh, at scruffy looking on Twitter. Um, great, great. Also Twitter. good handle. My, well, such that a boring one. I didn't one. get in, so I have to specify. I didn't get in on the ground floor on that one. The the O's are zeros and looking because I have. <laughs> yeah, which but still, it's amazing. But still, um, yeah, I, I write sometimes for the film stage. And there will be top ten lists and a bunch of other end of year lists coming out. If you're listening, they're probably a lot of them are probably already out. Um, so read those. And I think that's it. Charlize, we love you. We look forward to the rest of your movies. And I look forward and, to her on the podcast. Yeah, and she'll be on in a couple weeks. <laughs> and, um, and we look forward to the A-sides, and we also look forward to the B-sides. Everybody, I hope you're having a happy holiday. Until the next one. Until 2019. We'll see yeah, you man. soon. To each their own and to Charlize their own.